You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. It's not over yet. No. There is another. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors on Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, as well as Episodes 8 and 9, and Rogue One and the other anthology films, and uh, today especially, Star Wars Battlefront, and all the other cool and exciting new projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, Kyle. Doing good. But I will be honest, I could probably say I'd be doing a little better if I had Star Wars Battlefront <laughs> at home. I could play on my Xbox One right now. But it's almost here. But, man, for what we got at E3, geez, <laughs> it's going to be so awesome when we finally get our hands on it. Can't wait to talk about it on this episode. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, we do have uh, some Episode 7 stuff to cover in this episode as well. Um, especially since, uh, man, we're now just under six months away from that movie hitting theaters man, so um, crazy. <laughs> and man, it, it, uh, the, the days and the weeks and the months are just ticking down. And, uh, you know, two years ago when we started, well, two and a half years ago now, when we started this podcast, uh, you know, looking forward to the movie, we, it seemed like it would never come out. Um, you know, December, 2015 seemed so far away. And now here we are less than a year away. So, uh, that was even before we knew it would be December. We were thinking it would be out by now, really. In yeah, summer twenty fifteen. Yeah, definitely. But then you know, of course, we we got that announcement maybe I don't know six months or so afterwards. So um, I'm just saying, you know, looking back on how far we've come and then how far we have left to go. Uh, you know, like I said, it's been like two and a half years as opposed to just half a year left. So that is really exciting because um, it doesn't feel like we've been doing this for two and a half years already, does it? So no, it doesn't. <laughs> I still feel like when we did our first episode, just when we got the announcement that Disney was buying Lucasfilm, that it still feels not even, maybe you could say a year ago, but it still feels like it just happened. Maybe because it's still in a bit of state of shock <laughs> that we're getting the brand new Star Wars movie. And now that it's so close, just under six months now, man, it's almost really hard to fathom. And then we got some cool stuff coming up for in the next few months. I mean, with Comic-Con and D23. And then we're going to be in September for the whole Force for Friday and Midnight Madness coming up. That's going to be here before you know it. And that's like the real kickoff to when like the marketing blitz is probably going to start for it. And then before you know it, it's going to be December 18th. And <laughs> I'm assuming and I think we will be all blown away <laughs> once we're on that, make it to that date. Yeah, definitely. I mean, man, that's, that's just going to be so awesome, so exciting. And, uh, you know, definitely looking forward to it. But... Uh, Before we get to uh, some of the new Episode 7 rumors and uh, leaked photos and stuff like that, um, I I think there was something even bigger in Star Wars that rocked the gaming world this past week. 
Um, of course, E3 was going on in LA, you know, the big gaming convention and everything. Um, and on the, I think it was, yeah, the first day of the show with, uh, EA's press conference, um, we, we got our first long awaited look. Well, first for most people, uh, second for some lucky, uh, few of us at, uh, who were at Star Wars Celebration, but yeah. our, our first, <laughs> yeah, our, our first look at gameplay footage from, uh, Star Wars Battlefront and, Man, it did not. I, I was going to say it did not disappoint, but like that's an understatement. It freaking blew me away. Yeah, <laughs> totally, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, even during Microsoft's press conference, I was thinking, are we gonna? Are they going to be the ones to kind of give us a first look at it? And then at EA, they'll give us like the full blown presentation, gameplay, and stuff for it. But they didn't. And I go, okay, we'll just wait for EA's. But of course, they saved it for last. <laughs> I mean, you want to close your show out with a bang. And boy, did it! Did they do it? I mean, yeah. You said this not disappointed was an understatement. I agree with you. I mean, I was almost mouth on the floor with how awesome it looked. It just we had high expectations for it going in, just with the other brief teasers we got and the new trailer that was shown at Celebration. But again, we're well for me anyway. I kept saying, "What's it going to look like when you're actually playing it? What are those in-game, in-engine graphics going to be like?" And boy, it looks phenomenal. <laughs> I cannot wait to get on there and start playing as first of the empire of course and just, just going through different vehicles well, it's, i mean because they showed the trailer was on hot and that's another thing i was thinking of is it just gonna be another indoor thing i'm kind of hoping it'll be something else like hot or tatooine or on the solace which they announced the celebration but hot's always been one of my favorite star wars planets just because it looks so cool and you got snow troopers who i love the design of so seeing all that in this one trailer yeah i I was left really, really pleased with what I saw from it. I just cannot wait for November 17th to get here, man. Because I know I said before where there's certain things I'm disappointed with the game, but I'm going to leave that aside. I said what I wanted to say about that on previous podcasts. This is going to be a positive discussion about Star Wars Battlefront because while we might not get everything that we're hoping for, what we are getting looks super, super cool and fun. So, yeah, this is going to be a mostly positive reaction from you and me on what we got at E3 for Star Wars Battlefront. Yeah, definitely, man. And, you know, I mean, I'm, like, really happy that, you know, not only that you feel that way, but that that just seems to be sort of the general consensus. Because, like, there's a lot yeah. of Star, uh, there's a lot of stuff with Star Wars where we as the hardcore fans love it and get really involved and excited and you know stuff like uh like star wars the clone wars or star wars rebels where the hardcore fans really appreciate it but you feel like um the the general audience at large maybe doesn't really fully appreciate how special this is mm -hmm. um but with something like battlefront you know this wasn't just the star wars fans going like oh man guys look like yeah it, it doesn't have space battles and stuff but it's the battle of hoth like it looks really cool no like everybody I, I shouldn't say everybody, because obviously, you know, there are always going to be some people that aren't impressed. But it, the the vast majority of reactions that I've read online, both from just people commenting on articles and from, like, the people on gaming news websites writing the articles and recording video reviews and stuff, are all, uh, you know, seem to be just, like, really happy about this and, and totally blown away. Um, and for me personally, I mean, I got to see uh, that behind-the-scenes gameplay footage that they showed at uh at celebration and for that we saw uh, a piece of endor um in that battle and like you said i was kind of wondering like are they just going to show more of that um because that was also kind of the main focus of the the trailer as well so i thought maybe they're just kind of focusing on endor for the marketing campaign but then i thought if they show a new planet maybe they'll show solace because like that's the new one we haven't seen before so that would kind of make sense 
but in retrospect, I mean, it makes perfect sense to show the Battle of Hoth because that is, you know, definitely the most iconic ground battle in Star Wars, and mm-hmm. the ground battles are really what they're focusing on for this game. Um, but uh, you know, it, it was really cool for me because. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I've heard your concerns about the the lack of prequel content and space battles and stuff. And I mean, I was sort of disappointed about some of those things, too. But, you know, some of the general reaction I've heard from from people like before E3 and before we saw this new gameplay footage, you'd see a lot of people commenting on articles and be like, oh, this game's going to suck and it's not going to have like hardly any content. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be. EA, you know, milking you for money and they're going to add a bunch of DLC and it's going to be an incomplete game and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but guys, it looks really cool and you just haven't seen it yet. But like, I wish people would just give this a chance before they already like decide it's going to suck. And then this gameplay footage comes out and, you know, all those people who were echoing those negative sentiments before were all just now kind of like, whoa, okay, that looks pretty sweet. Um... And then also, I mean, I was super excited about it, too, seeing the the Hoff gameplay footage for the first time, because um, having seen that Endor gameplay at Celebration, that was all from the Rebel perspective, and it was, uh, you know, just one ground soldier the whole time. You got to see some variety of stuff. Like, he in the, uh, the Endor gameplay that they showed there, he, you also saw the guy... Uh, get a power up and pick up a rocket launcher and take out an ATST, and you saw them doing the uplink and have the Y wings come in and do the bombing run over the uh, the ATATs there, um, and you saw uh, Darth Vader at the end. But um, I mean, what I loved about this Hoth gameplay is not just that it showed the Battle of Hoth and how freaking gorgeous the game looks, and I mean, on a technical level, it's just fantastic but also that it just showed so much variety and in this five minute clip it's switching back and forth between the first and third person viewpoints you're switching back and forth between uh rebels and imperials and showing different viewpoints of the battle and then you're showing uh you know the perspectives of tie fighters and uh snow speeders and just showing all the different stuff you can do with the at-at too (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah, and oh my gosh, dude, I love that, especially the part where uh, he calls in the orbital strike. Yes, yeah, um, like that with <laughs> Yeah, I love doing that in Battlefront One with the little recon droids that you could send out and then have them, uh, you know, call down an orbital strike on top of the enemy, and then they took that out in Battlefront Two. So I saw that in here. I was like, oh yes, orbital strikes are back. And it was a cool one. You're like, and from the rebels' perspective, and you put that shield generated up, and you see all like. Read from it falling down on you. That looks yeah. awesome too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then of course, uh, you know, Vader shows up at the end and I was like, Oh yeah, of course they're going to end it with Vader again, just like they did with the Endor gameplay on, uh, or, you know, the, the Endor gameplay that I saw at celebration, you know, they end it with the, the iconic villain and everything and show that he plays the heroes. Oh wait. Oh, now Luke's coming out and they showed it from Luke's perspective with him, you know, cutting down a couple snowtroopers and just like force pushing another three of them away. Um, and then it kind of cuts to that cinematic angle where he like runs and does a spin move and clashes sabers with Vader. And that had me freaking out like, oh, my gosh, that was awesome. Oh, man. Yeah, that was a perfect way to end the trailer. The only thing that caught me a little bit by surprise was because it was. Return of the Jedi Luke and not Empire Luke, but it still looked amazing. But he looked so freaking cool. I know, yeah. That's what like I mean, Return of the Jedi Luke is my favorite incarnation of Luke by far. Um I mean as a kid, you know, he was my favorite character. That was the first toy lightsaber I ever had. Um and I mean, even though he doesn't 
fit in the Battle of Hoth. It's still, you know, it's it's kind of going along with some of the things they talk about where, uh, you know, we're, we're sticking to the movies in terms of, like, including things that are in the movies and making it feel like the movies. But at the same time, we're kind of just giving you the toys and letting you go play in the sandbox and exactly. play these battles the way you want. It's like, even though that isn't the Luke that shows up on Endor, at least it looks and feels like Luke Skywalker. Um and I don't know, there was just like something about his, his pose and his look and his, uh, you know, his lightsaber moves and everything that I was like, man, they almost managed to make this video game character like cooler than Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. Like not, <laughs> not quite, but like it was close. I'm like, man, that is, that is awesome. Like this would have been Luke in his prime if we had seen him, uh, you know, if, if episode seven took place like five years after Return of the Jedi and Luke was just mopping up the rest of the Empire, like this is what he would have been like. Yeah, <laughs> I only, only wish it would have lasted a little longer, <laughs> seeing him more in action. But another cool thing about the uh, trailer that I like too, I mean, we knew it was how it was with the previous celebration trailer, but the scene in an action and actual gameplay, I just loved how your rebel soldier. You're running around, but then, but you're just not a normal human rebel soldier. You saw uh, a Celestin, like you turn your head in the beginning, you see a Celestin standing there ready for the attack. And then as you're running, you take over, the trailer turns into a, a Rodian that you're playing at. You see him using his jetpack. So we're not I used to seeing that stuff that when we see pack. the Battle of Hoth, but it looked really cool seeing like rebel soldiers as aliens in the, the Battle of Hoth gear fighting the Empire in there. I thought that was a really cool touch. And one of the new features of Battlefront I'm looking forward to is playing as the different alien species as part of the rebellion so i just like that little touch they put in there for the trailer yeah definitely and i think the movies you know that's another thing that it feels like it fits within the movie even though we don't see it a whole lot because obviously you can tell the rebels are more diverse than the empire um both in you know their their looks and shapes and sizes and the the look of their uniforms and stuff you don't see a whole lot of alien rebel characters until uh return of the jedi you know you see um the Mon Calamari, obviously, and then they also mentioned the Bothan spies. Um, but, you know, it feels like it would fit to have, um, like you said, Rodians and Celestins, and I wouldn't be surprised if they've got some Bothans in there. And there's also, um, and I'm drawing a blank on the name, but there's another alien species in there that's kind of a more obscure one, and I was surprised they had it in there. And it's like the green one with the oh, kind the Ishi of... the Tib? The what? The Ishi Tib? I think that's it. Okay. I think he's like he's in the background in Jedi too. I'm thinking the same one you are. Um, yeah, maybe. Oh, and you know what? No, there are uh, alien rebel soldiers because there's Prune Face. Yeah, um, <laughs> can't forget about Prune Face. <laughs> yeah, which I only know from the Robot Chicken specials. But I actually had his action figure, so I use him a lot <laughs> in my Star Wars <laughs> figure battles. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so that was a really cool touch as well, and. Um, man, going back to the, the technical aspect of it, um, yeah, the, the graphics and the visuals and everything on this are just amazing. Um, and we've heard so much about, uh, their, their efforts to like photograph all the original models at the Lucasfilm archives and go out to the locations where they filmed Hoth and Endor and actually like photograph snow and rocks and leaves and trees and stuff and try to make those look as realistic as possible. Um, which I think is part of the reason why they don't have as much content in the game as some people want, because they've spent so much time focusing on these little nitty gritty details. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things where 
hearing about it and then seeing it are two completely different things because mm-hmm. you know for the past couple of e3s well actually i guess the the first time they announced this at e3 it was just that short little teaser trailer that didn't show us anything but um their video from last year was like a two or three minute almost more like a behind the scenes featurette documentary kind of thing yeah. um talking about you know like i said that whole process of, of photographing the environments and the models and stuff and on the one hand, it's like, okay, this is really cool that they're paying this much attention to detail and they, they want to get the look and feel of it right. But at the same time, it's like, come on, guys, it's a, a first-person shooter. Do you really think people are going to, like, stop and look at, you know, how uh, how realistic the leaves look? Because somebody's going to shoot you while you're staring in the bushes. <laughs> um, and, you know, I... I kind of hope that they would spend more time developing, you know, more planets and more classes and stuff like that. But then you see this in action and it's just like, man, this is a a whole nother level. And it, you know, I mean, looks like one of the most photorealistic video games I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Um, And just seeing, you know, the, the vehicles and the, the AT-ATs and the snow speeders and the armor and the guns and all that kind of stuff. Like it looks like the actual real stuff from the movie. And so, um, you know, once you actually see that stuff in action and see that sort of level of immersion and, you know, it's like, man, this really does feel like you're fighting in Star Wars. And, uh, yeah, I, I think all that, that time and effort and attention to detail that they put in is actually going to pay off. Totally, man. I mean, I'm watching it actually right now again, <laughs> as we're talking about it and just seeing the amount of action we're going to get. And just like you mentioned, the detail and the graphics. There's this one part that's really cool where you see a TIE fighter chasing down an X-Wing and it goes to first person and you see it flying through like a canyon trench on Hoth. But then it cuts to where he shoots the X-Wing, but then you go to the, as a player on the ground and you see the X-Wing just crash into the snow. It's like little details like that are just going to be so awesome when you're playing. I mean, you could be uh, on the ground, you're trying to shoot down stormtroopers and rebels and all of a sudden a ship crashes right by you. You're like, oh man, what the heck does that mean? And stuff like that. And you see the AT, AT getting attacked as you're trying to shoot stormtroopers. You see all these lighting effects and like particle effects being shown on there as it's getting shot. It just looks so awesome. And even a quick thing too, when you first part of the trailer where you come out from Echo Base and the rebel soldier looks up in the sky and you see the Star Destroyers up there. How cool does that look? I mean, there is something about an image of a Star Destroyer hovering above in the sky above a, above a planet that looks awesome that, that was cool in star wars rebels in the first episode and you get that again at least i got that feeling of seeing it float or not float but just be above the battle as a bunch of crazy carnage is going on in the battle of hot but yet there's that star destroyer looking down over everything i just love that look visually i mean it's all the stuff that you mentioned all the details they're putting in here is just going to be so awesome when we get to play it and that's the thing too what we're seeing here is all gameplay stuff, and it just looks so, so good. Like, we're actually going to be playing this. This is what it's going to look like when we have the controllers in our hand as we're playing the game. That's just amazing, man. I just can't wait for it. But another thing, too, I wanted to mention uh, some of the stuff revealed about it as far as the gameplay details, as far as how um, you're going to get to be some of the take over the vehicles and ships and the characters. It's going to be a little different than what we're used to with the previous Battlefront games mainly battlefront 2 but i kind of like how this is set up and i'm curious to hear your opinion on it as far as not you don't work your way up to like a certain kill count and then you have the opportunity to become a hero character or you can just run into any vehicle that you see and hop into it but it's going to be where you're going to get respond to that so you can be killed but then 
you're going to get responded to an ATAT or a snowspeeder or a TIE fighter. I kind of like that idea to kind of make it more of a fair playing field where not everyone's going to be like trying to rush over to get into the vehicle and you might have some like people arguing like, oh, I wanted to fly that or I wanted to be that character or whatever. It's kind of going to be more of a random based thing, which I like. So kind of I think makes it for a more fun gameplay experience when it's done that way and not just everyone who wants to be in the ship like rushes over there and gets it. So what do you think about that? I'm all for it. Well, I, you know, it's funny. I do like that for the heroes um, because in, in Battlefront 2, it was always, you know, you get a certain amount of kills or a certain amount of points or whatever. Um, and then you get offered the option to play as Luke or Darth Vader or whatever. And of course, you know, so it's like the powerful hero characters are going to go to the characters who are already doing really well anyways. Um, so I like that this makes it a little bit more fair and that uh, the the noobs who are going to have, you know, two kills and ten deaths are still going to get a chance to play as uh, you know, Luke or Vader or Boba Fett or whatever. Um, uh, even though I'm not a noob, you might be describing my outcome when I play the game. Yeah, no, I, I might be describing my own outcome too. Uh, yeah, I mean, as much Battlefront as I've played in my life, um, I, I still have not done a whole lot of online competitive play in in first person shooters. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping I can put in enough time and practice that I can uh, be you know one of the better players out there. I'm not trying to get like top of the world leaderboards or anything, but enough that I can hold my own and you know get some some decent. Uh, kill counts and battles and stuff like that. But, um, you know, at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I, I could end up spawning and getting sniped or blown up with a rocket or something immediately. So, uh, yeah, it, it gives hope for all of us who might not be, uh, you know, the elite expert gamers that we'll all get a chance to play as some of those heroes. Now for the vehicles, um, I mean, I, I guess hearing your your opinion on it right there, that does kind of make sense that it won't be everybody rushing for the vehicles and stuff. But it will still, I think for me, maybe feel a little bit unusual. Um, I mean, it's it, that's one of those things that definitely makes it feel more like a video game and maybe takes you out of the, the authentic Star Wars experience a little bit. Um, because if you just, like, suddenly spawn into a TIE fighter that's just kind of flying there unless i did they say if you spawn in the vehicles like in a hangar or something and then you actually have to take off that i'm not sure on i would think it would be kind of like that just to kind of give you that more immersive feel where I, i'm kind of liking it to remember the early rogue squadron games when you pick your ship you're yeah. kind of in the hangar maybe it's going to be something like that not where you pick your ship but maybe you'll see your character there and you just hop into it real quick okay yeah that could maybe work because um I mean, just seeing the gameplay footage, and obviously this is a bunch of, you know, quick cut-together stuff um, from various parts of the battle, but, um, yeah, I, I guess just sort of my assumption on hearing how this new system was going to work where you get a power-up and then spawn into a vehicle, I was imagining, you know, suddenly you go to a respawn screen and then you're in the cockpit of a TIE fighter, like, flying in from the edge of the map or something, and it's going to be like, well, where did that TIE fighter come from? It just kind of spawned out of nowhere, just like everything does in a video game, but that's not really Star Wars. But I guess, you know, if it if you still spawn in a hangar or something, but it's like people can't just climb into the vehicle, it's like you have to spawn inside it through the power-up, that I could be okay with. Um, you know, as long as it still kind of has that, uh, that immersive feeling to it. But... Um, I was going to go back to something that you said about um, just that visual of the Star Destroyer hanging overhead because they also have um, – they, they announced that there's like this new 
um, I guess kind of scoring system, I guess you could call it, where th- I think they call this like the battle beyond system or something like that. But basically the, the gist of it is that in every battle, um, you're going to be fighting your, your ground battle there on the ground. And then in the air above the planet, you see, uh, you know, star destroyers and rebel blockade runners and, uh, you know, a big aerial battle happening in the sky between all these capital ships. Um, now you can't like fly up there and take part in it, but that battle basically acts as your score meter. So I'm sure like somewhere in the, yeah, in the, the inner workings and the, the programming of the game, you've still got, um, either unit counts and you're trying to, you know, make the other team run out of reinforcements or you're trying to get to a certain number of points or something like that. But there's no, at least as far as I know, or at least as far as I understand from what, how they describe this, there's not going to actually be just like a, a kill counter or a point counter or something like that on the, uh, the UI of the game. Uh, showing you know which teams got more points and that sort of thing, but the 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 battle in the sky kind of reflects that. So you look up and see um, you know uh, and a star destroyer shooting at a rebel blockade runner and it blows up. Then you know the empire is you know currently winning or currently has the advantage. And if you see a bunch of rebel ships converging on a star destroyer and they start doing damage to the star destroyer. Um, then, you know, like the rebels are pushing back. So that's a, I think a pretty cool way of, um, sort of representing the, the scores and the, the tide of the battle. And, uh, you know, you got to kind of keep an eye on that. And I think that's another thing that's just going to make it feel, um, that much more like you're engaged in an actual, a, a larger Star Wars battle than just sort of the, the ground skirmish that you're actually fighting in. See, now that's awesome. I actually didn't know about that. Hearing you talk about it is the first time I'm hearing about that. That just sounds really, really cool. I mean, it might not be good when I'm playing and I'm finding myself looking up in the sky a lot. Yeah. I'm like, I hope it's not too distracting, but it's a really cool idea. Yeah. That's probably going to account for some of my deaths when I play <laughs> the game. But yeah, that's a really cool idea. Yeah. I think that was on, uh, at least I read about that on IGN.com um, during their whole, you know, a lot of these sites are doing, um, you know, really in depth coverage of E3 stuff. And I think IGN probably had at least you know, half a dozen Battlefront articles during the week. Yeah, that was the one problem. Everyone was covering it and talking about it, not enough time to read them all and (laughs) watch everyone's video impressions or video demos of it. But like you said earlier, the main consensus was that everybody is liking it so far, (laughs) at least like the mainstream uh, video game media sites like IGN and Game Informer, those type of sites, everyone was saying how good it is. Yeah, so it was definitely a a major triumph for those of us who have spent countless hours playing Star Wars Battlefront 2 and have been waiting years and years for a new Battlefront game. So, But, um, man, as, as amazing as that trailer was, though, I'm going to be honest, what really got me pumped for the game, like really pumped, was that second co-op survival mode trailer we got. I cannot wait for that mode. <laughs> that's, I think that's going to be so much fun. And I think we're talking about the detail in the hot trailer the one we got here on tatooine i mean the sound effects even in this trailer sound awesome i mean you hear it through headphones the blaster sound looks it's just classic star wars it sounds amazing and just the stormtrooper detail and the sparks you see when you shoot them with their armor and then i just think this mode is going to be so much fun going wave after wave of stormtroopers and you got admiral akbar there (laughs) giving you uh commands and helpful hints i mean i cannot wait to play this mode i mean 
right now I, that's probably the one I think I might be playing the most. So I know it's a two-player co-op. So Kyle, I'm counting on you to be my partner in this <laughs> to take down these stormtroopers as we're struggling at our escape pod that crashed. But I, I do. I will say I hope you get to be the Empire in this mode too. I haven't heard too many people talk about that, so I'm a little worried there. But regardless, I think it's going to be a really, really fun mode. I always like the survival stuff where you just got to fight through waves of enemies. So and to see it look this good, man, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, well, I will definitely be backing you up in that. Um, although I still think I'm more excited to be playing in big versus battles online against other players in the Battle of Hoth, but. Um, yeah, I mean, the survival mode certainly looks fun, too. Um, and in some of the, the interviews and stuff that they did with, like, the developers there at E3, I mean, they talked about how a lot of people have um, been kind of clamoring for some single-player content and sort of some, like, the, the instant action and some of the different gameplay modes that they had in Battlefront 2. Um, and so this is kind of part of the, the response to that, because as we've said, the game isn't going to have just, like, a single-player campaign mode with a, a story and everything, but... They will have um, some some offline uh, missions and whatnot that you can either play solo or co-op with a friend. And it's cool because you can do co-op split screen, like break <laughs> on your couch school. with a friend or also, uh, you know, play co-op online with a friend. Um, and I think they're going to have a few different uh, game modes for this. In fact, if I try to go find this right now, I'll look it up while I'm, co- while I'm talking. But um, they announced like a few different game modes for this. Uh, for like these single player missions and whatnot. Um, but the only one they showed off there, yeah, was this survival mode. And, you know, it's funny because you were saying I, that you hope we get to do this as the Empire, but I don't know that that necessarily makes sense from a story standpoint because, I mean, it's it's almost kind of hard to imagine um, two stormtroopers fighting solo against waves and waves of rebel soldiers because the Empire usually has the greater numbers and it's the rebels who have to overcome through you know ingenuity and, and that sort of thing unless you had two stormtroopers fighting ewoks um, <laughs> that would be awesome but maybe that would be the point, how, survival mode how awesome would it be though if you're two clone troopers fighting off waves and waves of battle droids I mean, that's the one thing i thought of when i saw this chair like oh man i could just picture it with these visuals as clone troopers and you're hearing either D. Bradley Baker's voice or Tim Morrison's voice as the clones <laughs> fighting off these waves and waves of battle droids. I could not help but get that feeling like, if only we got that included in here. But again, that's something where we're not getting it, got to live with it. But because what we are getting in this survival mode looks so, so much fun. I just can't wait. And that trailer, even the small shots where you see the Imperial shuttle land on the planet and you see the stormtroopers walk out from the hangar, it just looks so good. The detail on it, man, I just blown away every time i see it this looks amazing yeah definitely you know it's funny i'm looking at the um the page that they've got for the missions here on the sort of the battlefront ea website and i'm just seeing like image after image that's just making me go like that needs to be in my new wallpaper oh wait no that needs to be my new <laughs> wallpaper um all this stuff just looks and it, again the game just looks fantastic yeah, I mentioned um, a little bit too, but it sounds fantastic too. I was yeah, about, yeah, yeah, that survival too, definitely. They even put the Wilhelm screen in there too. You got to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's funny because I, like I talked about this before um, when we saw the uh, or when I got to see that gameplay footage at E or at uh, Celebration, um, and they had it in this little 
almost this little enclosed theater that had like this killer surround sound system in there. And I mean, some of the sound effects, like the AT-AT lasers would like hit a log in front of the player. And it like almost made me jump, like not, (laughs) you know, not jumping like out of being scared, but just sort of, you know, you almost like recoil because it's like so loud and sharp and it almost feels like you're actually getting shot at. Um, I mean, it's just, man, crazy. And yeah, the, the sound design on this is, uh, just really cool. Um, now let's see. I'm looking at the mission types here, trying to find what some of these other ones are. Um, come on, I know it's in here somewhere. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping every planet has the survival mode on there. It's not just like two out of the four planets we're getting so far that only of them are survival because I want to play this on as much variety, <laughs> different planets as much as I can. Because this on Tatooine, at first I thought it was Jakku, because it was more in the canyon area of Tatooine, but every trailer description said it was Tatooine, so I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. But yeah, if we can play the survival mode on all the planets staying out, that's going to be so much fun. I mean, Hoth, we saw the big multiplayer uh, battles on Hoth, but if we get a survival mode on there too, that could be loads of fun, where you're just in the trench fighting off stormtroopers coming around from all, every corner in the mountains and everything. Uh, that'd be so cool. Yeah, definitely. And I think they will. I mean, um, like I said, I mean, I'm still trying to find the, uh, the descriptions here of some of the other different gameplay modes that they've got, but I, I would assume this is something that's going to be on all the different planets. Um, because I mean, they have said that there's going to be, you know, there'll be various different maps. I think there'll be like three, there, there should be three maps on each planet. Um, because they said the game's going to launch with 12 maps, um, so that averages to three per planet. I don't know if they'll have four on one and two on another or something like that. But um, regardless, you know, th- there should be multiple maps on each planet and have like different game modes on each one. So I, I think, you know, I, I don't think Tatooine would be the only one where you'd get to play as that survival. Especially, I mean, defending the Echo Base on Hoth seems like a, another perfect scenario for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, see, I think it worked for, we are talking about how it would work if you were the Imperials. It could be cooler, too, where, like, for instance, we know the Battle of Jakku is going to be on there, and we saw that amazing shot from the Force Awakens trailer of the Down Star Destroyer. What if it's kind of like a Black Hawk Down type thing where you're two stormtroopers in the crash Star Destroyer, and you're defending off rebels trying to get inside and take you all out and make sure <laughs> they kill all the Imperials above that inside that Star Destroyer. That could be something that's really cool from the Imperial perspective. Yeah. And oh, so much okay. you can do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I found the uh, the page on the website that's talking about the missions. And of course, they've got the uh, the survival gameplay trailer on there. Um, but then it says, in addition to survival, Star Wars Battlefront will feature a variety of exciting mission modes, including battles, hero battles, and trials. Um, so, I mean, it doesn't give any more information than that. But I would assume battles is just going to be kind of like instant action on the old battlefront games where you know it's maybe just you and a friend on the same team or on opposing teams and then just you know fighting out a big battle with a bunch of ai characters um hero battles i'm like i don't know if that's going to be some sort of like lightsaber dueling one-on-one mode or maybe it's like the battle where you each get to just control the hero for the whole time and just run around and kill enemies because that would also be tons of fun i'm sure um and trials, I don't know, maybe that'll be like specific mission objectives or maybe it's like a time limit kind of thing. Or Yeah, that's um, what I'm thinking. 
I don't know. But I mean, I just I, I bring that up because I've heard a lot of people uh, or a lot of um, gaming sites and stuff reporting on this. And, you know, again, a lot of positive reaction for this survival mode. But uh, some sites kind of make it sound like this is going to be the only single player mode. Like you can fight online in these big battles or if you want to play single player or just with one friend, you can do the survival mode. Well, survival mode isn't going to be the only uh, one of these you know, smaller missions that you can do. So it's cool that there's going to be some more variety in there as well. Yeah, totally. But the survival one is going to be the one I'll probably end up playing the most <laughs> based <laughs> off that one trailer. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, now, maybe the one negative I had with it was that I wish it would be four-player co-op survival. Oh, that how would cool would that be? Really cool. I know. <laughs> I mean, two player is good, but four, uh, maybe that's another thing to add to the wish list of Battlefront 2. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, because the other thing is, I mean, if if you could do it with four, then I would just be even more disappointed that there's no prequel content because I'd be like, I want to play as Delta Squad. Oh, man. Or, you know, <laughs> even if it's not Delta Squad, like, give me four. Well, actually, no, because Delta Squad is, is canon. They should, had a cameo appearance in Clone Wars, and yep. Clone Wars is canon, so therefore Delta Squad is canon. So they could give us a survival mode where we just play as Boss and Scorch and Seven, Fixer, and fight off hordes of battle droids like how freaking cool would that be uh talk about a dream come true <laughs> yeah well we'll just be looking forward to that in the sequel in you know 2017 or something but yeah um man in the meantime like i'm i don't want to say i'm more excited about this or you know for for battlefront than i am for episode seven because that's not true but uh you know on on the long journey to december 18th uh november 17th is a big big milestone along the way um and i'm sure it's going to make the rest of the wait a whole lot shorter totally yeah um, once I mean, we've got, we got battlefront to play so i know you got it coming out november 17th but then oh wait there's the battle of jakku that comes out what i think december 2nd or sometime in the early like first week of december but... yeah i want to say it's like december 7th or 8th that it gets released for everybody but if you pre-order the game i think you get it on december 1st that's right okay yeah you're right and the Which, only reason I haven't pre-ordered the game yet is because I don't have an Xbox One, and I'm waiting to see if they're going to announce like a special edition Star Wars Xbox One console to to go along with the game. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I'm thinking I might just go ahead and pre-order it anyways at this point. Yeah, um, you can always cancel the pre-order too if they do come out with a bundle. Yeah, that's true. It. But or just ask yeah, them to so, swap. You know, if the uh, if they announce a bundle be like hey can i just take the money i put down on the game and transfer it over to pre-order this thing instead well as a former gamestop employee unless they change since the last time i worked there that is something you can definitely do so <laughs> it shouldn't be much of a worry if that's where you get to pre-order the game from that's another thing if any like specific uh like dlc or pre-order content is going to be exclusive to some stores like that's going to make it a tough decision to where you're going to pre-order from because they do that all the time with the batman arkham games yeah. like you got to decide which like costume dlc you really want or what uh, story mission dlc pack you really want to play first to, to where you pre-order it kind of wish it's not like that where you just pre-order it anywhere you want and you get one specific pre-order bonus so hopefully that's the way they go don't make us pick and choose and <laughs> make the decision even harder yeah i don't know man i mean at this point i'm just super excited to play the game itself um I'm like, I can care less about pre-order bonuses and exclusives and stuff. <laughs> Just as long as it's coming out on all the platforms on the same day and I've got an Xbox One before then that I can, uh, you know, get this on launch day and just go to town. 
Um, <laughs> I will say too, this whole E3 experience with Star Wars Battlefront and what they showed, it kind of won over the skeptic in me where, like I said before, the stuff that we we're not getting, this just made me full blown excited for this game that we are going to be getting in November 17th. So while, like you said, it didn't make me like, like you said, more excited or the most anticipated Star Wars event of the year because we know that's The Force Awakens. It did win me over. It got me more excited for the game than I was before because, yeah, it's just looking incredible. So, yeah, you won't be hearing much complaints from me about Battlefront anymore <laughs> unless they specifically say, oh, we're never doing prequel content or Clone Wars content. Then I'll come out and start ranting again. But right now for this first Battlefront game EA and DICE are doing, I mean, yeah, sign me up to where <laughs> I'm going to be playing it nonstop. So. Yeah, and I definitely don't think we should rule out any of the any of that other stuff coming in the future because um, I remember I watched one video interview with uh, the the woman from Dice who's like the um, I want to say senior producer or production manager or something like that one of the the higher up you know people on the food chain working on this game um, she was sort of like the main representative for it at E3 and was doing a lot of the press interviews and stuff and in one of these interviews. Uh, they mentioned how, you know, people had been disappointed by, uh, you know, the lack of, of prequel content and space battles and stuff like that. Um, and she basically, uh, you know, addressed it and said, you know, we're aware that, uh, you know, Star Wars is a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And we kind of just tried to focus on, like, the the main big core things of, like, what Star Wars, uh, you know, was to us and, like, what things we absolutely had to have in there. Um, but then she also said, you know, part of it is like, you know, we just didn't necessarily have the, the time or the resources to include all of that stuff. Um, and so it did make it sound like, you know, it's not just, oh, we want to focus on the original trilogy because the original trilogy is cool and the prequels suck. Like part of it also was, hey, you know, Disney wants this out in time for The Force Awakens. And we tried to make this really cool and authentic by going and taking pictures of leaves and snow and, you know, Imperial or uh, ATST models from 1983 and scanning that all into the game to create, you know, really realistic looking assets. And so in the process of all that, like we didn't have time to work on, uh, you know, space battles or clone troopers or any of that kind of stuff, but we know that it's important to a lot of the fans. We know that people want that stuff. So I think the door is definitely open for that to either be in a sequel or included through DLC. Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I, I kind of hope it just comes in a sequel and I'm sure with this being EA and dice, like I'm sure there will be deep, more DLC for the game down the line than just the battle of Jakku. But, uh, you know, maybe it'll be more episode seven themed stuff. Maybe it'll be, you know, more original trilogy themed stuff, but if they're going to do something as big as, uh, you know, adding like whole new, uh, factions to play as, and, you know, whole new planets from the, the Clone Wars era. I kind of would prefer if they just did that as a sequel and added a bunch of that stuff rather than just like, oh yeah, here's the, the Battle of Geonosis as DLC. Um, I'm like, yeah, just, just save it for a time when you can give us like the, the full experience. But, um, either way, good to know that that stuff is still kind of on the table and that they're just, you know, sort of aware of the, the fan, um, sort of the, the, way that the fans feel about it, I guess. Yeah, that's definitely good to hear. And that's something uh, I got to remember and at least uh, take into account where this is not going to be the only Battlefront game we're going to get. There's going to be a sequel. I mean, come on. Everyone's excited for this one. It's going to sell really good. They're going to make another one. I mean, EA is a big company that puts out sequels for the games, even sometimes when they're not hits. So we're never going to get another one. And I agree with, with what you said. 
rather save the prequel content probably for a full-blown sequel instead of maybe just one or two levels for DLC. So, yeah, I actually didn't hear that uh, response from uh, DICE about that. So that was definitely good to hear because I was some of the interviews and video stuff I've watched and read, no one really asked about that. So when I heard you say that, I was like, oh, good. Finally, someone asked that question, <laughs> the question I would have asked if I was interviewing DICE. So, yeah, that definitely made me a lot more hopeful for either DLC or the next game down the line. Yeah, I should try to find the link to that interview and, and send it to you. I mean, they didn't say everything that I just said, obviously. Oh, sure. I mean, some of that was either stuff that I'm just hoping for or what I kind of just was, you know, reading between the lines as far as what they were saying. But um, they they did address that, and they didn't address it in a way that made it seem like that stuff was never going to happen. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. I just read today, too, where someone from DICE was saying, like, if we needed to, we would not hesitate to push the game back. If there was a reason that something's not working right, we'll push it back, even though we we need to have this game ready for The Force Awakens. I was like, uh, I don't know. but Because I don't know if Disney and Lucasfilm would allow that, but at least from a developer's standpoint, that's what you want to hear because they want to make this game perfect. But then he's all, but don't worry about that. We got everything working so great right now. I mean, we had 40 uh, player versus uh versus battle mode on working and running smoothly already so we're in great shape it's not going to happen but at least from a developer standpoint you can appreciate where they really want to get this right and not just send it out there like a half-finished game or with some bugs or anything so definitely can expect it to be quality and not have to have a bunch of like patches that you have to download a few days afterwards where there's bugs and all that so that was definitely good to hear too yeah well i mean that is good because I mean, the game's been in development now for over two years, um, or, you know, at least two years, because it was two years ago at E3 when they first announced it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously they were just in the very early stages of development at that point. But, um, yeah, so this obviously isn't something that they've just kind of had to rush out at the last minute to go along with uh, the Force Awakens release. And, you know, I don't actually have too much of a a hard time seeing Disney and Lucasfilm allowing them to push this back if they were willing to push episode seven back six months. Um, But at the same time, you know, I I do think they've had plenty of time to work on this and, you know, from, from what you were saying and from what we've seen too, it looks like this is going to just be great. I mean, the other thing that's shocking is when you watch that battle of Hoth gameplay trailer and at the beginning it's saying like, uh, you know, a dice game. This is in-game gameplay footage from a PlayStation Four, um, and then at the bottom, I think it says like pre-alpha gameplay or something like that. I'm like, seriously? Yeah. Like this right. looks like you could buy it off the store shelf right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but obviously, you know, there might still be some bugs or something in the game that they have to work out that they just didn't show in in this part. Um, this is obviously all you know pretty well choreographed and stuff as far as uh, what they wanted to show in the battle. Um, but yeah, man, it was just, just so cool. Just, uh, you know, like I said, blew us all away. Um, and I think definitely, you know, defied a lot of people's expectations. Yeah, totally. That's another thing too. People who went to E3, just general people, not like video game media people. I mean, they got to play it, but just anyone who was there got their hands on with it. Everyone, at least from the reactions I saw, seemed to love it too. So yeah, (laughs) it's like all across the board is just 
getting rave rave reviews before it's actually available to review but just the buzz on it's just so high right now i'm just so glad that that's the case yeah and it's also kind of silenced a lot of the people who were saying like oh yeah it looks pretty and everything but this is probably just going to be battlefield 4 with a star wars reskin yeah um that's and it, what i've heard too people say no it plays totally different than battlefield yeah. Yeah, which is also awesome, even though I'm sure plenty of people, myself included, would have still been okay with that um, if it was just Battlefield with a Star Wars skin. Because, I mean, I am i haven't really played any of the Battlefield games anyway, so it wouldn't just feel uh, like a rinse and repeat to me. But um, just knowing that they've got a, a successful and proven uh, first-person shooter formula with that game, um, if you put some Stormtroopers in there, like, heck, I'd play it. But the fact that they've uh, really kind of... Um, you know, gone back to the basics of the the original Star Wars Battlefront games, and then also just kind of tried to craft their own uh, new and exciting Star Wars game from the ground up is just you know all, all these little things come together to just make uh, make me have a lot of faith in this game. Darth Vader would not find my lack of faith disturbing <laughs> because I don't have one. Yeah, well put. Yes. <laughs> um, also, just two other little things I want to mention really briefly before we wrap up talking about battlefront here that jetpack how freaking cool was that like you know you, you see the rebels running around and the, like the first time i watched it it just looked like he had a backpack on or something and then suddenly he jumps and you know flames come out and they're flying yeah. across the battlefield i was like whoa um i wasn't even boba fett either imagine when we get to play as boba fett and do all that yeah yeah, well, I think with Boba Fett, you'll probably get to, like, hover in the air and, you know, shoot down on people, whereas the Rebel is, it just seems more like a, a quick point A to point B kind of thing. Yeah, probably. Um, but then they do it again towards the end, and, like, a snowspeeder flies by underneath, and, like, they almost get hit by the snowspeeder, and it makes me jump every time I watch it. But it's just, you know, again, just so cool to see, like, all those different parts of the battle, um, you know, kind of interweaving, I guess you could say. Um, kind of the same thing as like when you were talking about uh, the, seeing the TIE fighter shoot the X-Wing and then switching to the perspective of a rebel soldier watching that X-Wing crash. And, um, you know, even even though it's not going to have that element that a lot of people wanted from the, the Free Radical Battlefront 3, which is the sort of interconnected um, like land, air and space battles where you, you know, sort of seamlessly transition between the three. It doesn't have that element to it, but the stuff that is in there, you know, between the, the ground battle and the aerial battle and the people jumping around with the jetpacks in between, you know, it feels all, you know, very within the same space. It doesn't feel like the, the X-Wings and TIE fighters are way up there just shooting at each other. Um, I mean, in fact, I think at one point you see a TIE fighter, like, shooting at some rebels on the ground or something like that. So that all looks really cool. And then also from a visual and a sound perspective, they've got this new, like, incendiary grenade in there um, that wasn't in, you know, it's not in any of the movies or anything, but... Um, just looks and sounds so freaking cool. It's the one that, uh, you know, sort of, you, you see it kind of explode in a small explosion and then implode back in and then like explode in a bigger explosion. And it's like sort of a, a fire shockwave almost. Um, and man, just, you know, like, like I was saying before, just some of the, the tech and the weapons and, you know, that shield generator and all that kind of stuff. I mean, all these little things that they've, they've packed in here. I mean, this looks like it's just going to be such an awesome experience. Yeah, I mean, we just saw two little portions of what we're going to get, Hoth and the survival mode. I mean, like I was saying, we want to see, or I'm hoping for the survival mode to be in uh, other planets that we're getting to. 
But imagine when we see the full-blown battles we're going to get, like we saw in Hoth on the other worlds too, like Solas, Tatooine, and then later on Jakku. And we saw a little bit of Endor, but when we see the full scope of that, jeez. And like you're talking about all the details with the battles with the ships flying over you and then the different weapons you're going to be getting. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's going to be just such an immersive experience. I just can't wait to have all the lights off in my room, speakers blasting with my surround sound, and just getting immersed like I'm really <laughs> in those battles. I guess the only way it could be better if it was part of the new VR technology. That's uh, some of the games that are starting to use now. But until then, we're, we're fully immersed in the battle. <laughs> this is going to be probably as close as we can, we're going to get. And it looks like it's going to deliver on that front, too. Just, yeah, uh, I, think, I think it looks realistic enough that it's going to be pretty close to that anyways. Exactly. I know, man. <laughs> oh, man. Like, uh, everything's just going for it right now from visual standpoints and now with people playing it, the gameplay standpoint, the sound standpoint. So, yeah, I mean, like I said before, don't want to bang the same drum or beat a dead horse about the content we're not getting. But I think it's just for me personally, I'm just gonna, now going to focus on what we are getting and just totally take in the levels, the gameplay modes, the visuals, the sound, everything that is included on that disc and eventually on DLC. I mean, just take all that in and just appreciate that instead of focusing on the negative and, oh, I wish I had this or I wish this was in it. Sure, I might feel a little bit of that because what we are getting looks so good and I'm sure when we actually played it, it plays so good, you're automatically, automatically going to think, yeah, I wish some of that other content I wanted was there, but just going to be really really just immersed into that star wars battlefront experience because like we said before in other podcasts it's been 10 years since battlefront 2 and it's just going to be so great to step back into that gameplay mode of battlefront that we've been uh, loving for since 2004 when the first game came out and now getting a new one and that's looking and sounding and playing this good from what we got at e3 it's going to be well worth the 10-year wait i think yeah definitely um man yeah i'm just super excited for this this even got me like going back and playing battlefront 2 again now i had some friends over just this past weekend we were playing that again um <laughs> nice but yeah and and man i'm i'm just uh really looking forward to these huge you know 40 player online multiplayer matches with you and a bunch of our other friends will be you know playing on xbox live and chatting over our headsets and be like red two you got one on your six yeah. <laughs> you know all this we have to stuff. designate our own call signs now too <laughs> oh yeah yeah, yeah oh, that's, uh, for some wait. reason i just had a flashback to like the the family guy star wars special when they're all attacking the death star and they've all got uh you know it's like oh, red yeah. one red two red wine red fox Red October. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Just talking about it again right now. It's getting me all pumped when I first saw the trailers. And as we're talking, watching the trailers, too, <laughs> this is getting me so super, super excited for it. So even when we're not looking at it visually, just discussing it and what we are eventually going to be playing, uh, get me so hyped up for it. Yeah, man. It's it's just going to be so good. Okay, like I said earlier when we first started i'd be doing much better right now if it was november i had the game but i'd probably be doing phenomenal phenomenal and great when it's december and we not only have battlefront but we have the force awakens too i mean imagine that yeah <laughs> see the, the movie you go home and play battlefront uh, yeah the only disappointing thing about it is gonna be 
you know, getting in or getting to the movie theater and getting in line like six hours early for the force awakens is going to be like six hours. You could be spending playing battlefront. <laughs> yeah, true. No announcement of like a mobile version or like a little preview of it that sometimes games do for like the big games that come out before it releases. They release like a little miniature version of it for uh, your phones and stuff like that. But there was no what I'm still hoping for. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think we would have gotten that by now. Maybe. Um, I mean, they, they did announce another Star Wars mobile game at E3, and I'll, I'll just get this out of the way real quick because we're not going to spend much time talking about this. <laughs> but they also announced Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, which is a collectible trading card game um, that's also a role-playing game, I guess. And, you know, it's one of these where, um, I don't know, they haven't announced a whole lot of details about it, but I, I would assume it probably plays kind of like an RPG, but instead of playing like an actual story where you team up with different companion characters and stuff, you collect your companion characters through opening packs of cards and, oh, look, I got a Chewie. Now Chewie's in my party and whatever. Um, I'm not all that excited for it. Although knowing that it's, you know, from EA and it's probably going to be free, I'll probably give it a try anyways. But um I remember during the during EA's press conference at E3, the, the woman who got up on stage to talk about this was like, we think this is the game that Star Wars fans have been waiting for. And I was like, no, it's not. Shut up and get to Battlefront already. <laughs> um, and, you know, I mean, I kind of felt bad for her because obviously she's just doing her job and reading a PR hype script that, you know, some person did a, a bad job of writing. But um, I was just like, come on, you're not fooling anybody with that. This is not the game that star wars fans are tuning in to watch right now i will admit because uh, when I, I first saw this through a tweet from ea where it said oh you're going to be able to play is from the original trilogy the prequel trilogy the clone wars and rebels are like oh finally a game even though it's mobile it's going to have everything included from the star wars saga but then i realized oh man it's just a card game like uh that's great for those who like those kind of games but kind of still waiting for that star wars game that encompasses everything from the saga to have it would either be like an adventure game or a shooter game we were talking about this before we recorded how the best example of that is the star wars lego game so we could get something more into the vein of that maybe just not legos that encompasses all of star wars that'd be great but yeah like you not too excited when i found out it was a card game but we'll probably check it out see how it is but by the time we get that uh, I mean, for this game between Battlefront, yeah, there's going to be no competition. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Absolutely not. But yeah, like you said, I, I do hope that they maybe at some point announce a, a Battlefront mobile game or something like that. Obviously, they're not going to come close to capturing the experience with like the visuals and the 40 player online multiplayer and all that kind of stuff on the phone. But um, still, just something where I can play as a rebel or a stormtrooper and shoot people and you know, keep me entertained while I'm waiting in line for the force awakens. Like that's all I need. Yeah. Like I said before on a previous podcast, we were talking about the possibilities of a mobile game. How cool would it be if it, what you do there either helps level up your character or gives you some perks for your console version of the game, some interactivity between that would have been really cool. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, see, that would be awesome. And I think even if they don't release a game for it necessarily, they probably will have some sort of like companion app that, um, you know, if you have it open while you're playing the game, you can see like a mini map or, you know, check your achievements or the status of your team or something like mm -hmm. that. Cause I know a lot of, a lot of games do that now where they've got like these mobile 
companion apps that add sort of extra features to the console game as you're playing it. Yeah. Like I said, I think they probably would have announced it by now, but again, you never know. I mean, we still, we're still a few months out, maybe. Yeah, November's still a little ways off. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, but um, man, I mean, this was obviously super exciting. This was the highlight of E3 for me and for a lot of people. Um, but this, we also I will did... say, too, this has been one of the better E3s we've had in a long time. Oh, definitely. Battlefront was a highlight, but there's tons of cool games to be excited about coming up. Yeah, no, I knew this one was going to be something special like i mean for me the past couple e3s have been uh some of the better e3s in a long time just because i've been waiting so long for a new star wars battlefront and it finally happened um but then of course at this one you know getting to see the gameplay footage and uh you know there's a couple other games i'm excited about on these new consoles but then also uh getting to see this new cinematic trailer for star wars the old republic um and the knights of the fallen empire expansion um, which, uh, man, this, again, they, they just knock it out of the park every time with these trailers. Um, and it looks so cool. And, um, it's just sort of teasing the beginning of this big new epic storyline that they're going to be adding through this new expansion, which sounds pretty cool. And it almost sounds, I mean, to be honest, it almost sounds like they wanted to just make like a single player coach war three but didn't want to like draw people away from the old republic that they've already put so much time and effort into so um i mean they're, they're kind of trying a new model here where um i mean some of the the previous big story expansions have been um just you, you know you pay like 20 bucks or whatever for the expansion pack um but now this is going to be something that's free for subscribers so i think rather than making money off the you know people paying for the expansions i think they're just going to try to get more subscribers in the game to play these new stories um and it's going to be like an episodic thing i guess it's gonna you know the the story is going to come in like small chapters um and i think they said um that when the thing launches in i think october um and you would think i would remember more of these details about the old republic since i'm a player of that game but i've just october 27th uh yeah that sounds about right um yeah you know you you would think i would remember all this stuff but i've just been so overwhelmed with the battlefront it's like yeah i'm gonna play the new old republic expansion too but uh battlefront is is finally here and that gameplay trailer just i couldn't focus on anything else man but um yeah but i mean for the old republic they're saying this is the largest expansion to date it's like this whole new storyline where um it actually sort of refreshes the story a little bit i i guess and this might be a little bit of a spoiler but um this is going to be something that happens very early on is that i guess your character gets like captured and frozen in carbonite or something like that and so you wake up years later and find that both the empire and the republic as you've known them for most of the game have kind of fallen or retreated or you know gone into hiding or whatever and this new um I don't know, this third faction, um, has, has risen up and I don't know exactly if they have a name for it or whatever, but this, I mean, or I guess it's, uh, well, the new enemy they say is the emperor of the eternal empire. Um, so, it, you know, it's this, this new third faction, this new guy who wants to, to rule the galaxy, who I'm guessing may have some, uh, very strong ties to another certain emperor from the, uh, the first part of the game. But, um, 
yeah, so it's just going to be this this whole new sort of story refresh where uh, your character becomes known as the Outlander, who's like a veteran of the, the first Galactic War. Um, and now, you know, you're sort of thrust into this new story with, like I said, new factions and this whole new sort of status quo. And, uh, you know, it's kind of shaking up uh, the, the dynamics and relationships with your previous companions and all this kind of stuff. So it sounds really interesting. Um, and I am definitely excited to play it. They've raised the level cap to 65 now, or they will be with this new expansion. Um, and I guess you can only play it if you have a level 60 character, but they also say that, uh, when the expansion comes out, every subscriber will get to start one new character at level 60 for free. Um, so if you want to, you know, jump in and just play this new story content, you can do that too. Um, so, uh, yeah, for, for those like myself who play, uh, Star Wars, the Old Republic, this is also something that's, uh, pretty exciting. Again, not, at, you know, not nearly as, as huge and groundbreaking as this new Battlefront stuff. So we won't spend uh, a whole nother hour talking about, uh, Knights of the Fallen Empire, but, uh, this sounds like a, a pretty cool, uh, new expansion and something that's hopefully going to be, um, you know, pretty, uh, pretty substantial, pretty, epic and uh you know a, a cool new story and that'll hopefully uh bring some new subscribers into the game if it uh, delivers on its promise here yeah so for someone who hasn't played the old republic at all i'll probably just be able to comment on the trailer because i really like the trailer that we got for this i mean like the other ones we've had for Knights of the Old Republic since it was first announced. The trailers have been really, really cool but i really like this one because i was talking to you about it before we were recording where I just like the look of it, where this feels like ancient Star Wars, the way this new faction looks, the design. It feels old and different than what I've seen before in the Old Republic, where we see soldiers who look like clone troopers almost and some of the Empire's the ship designs like TIE fighters and Star Destroyers. But what I saw in this new trailer, this looks like something you would see thousands of years before the saga that we know from the movie. So just visually, I liked how the look of it was. And just the little brief story we got of these two brothers who were trained to be force users for it looks like their father. And then we see the battles that they go through fighting members of the Republic and then the Sith. So seeing that in this, you know, the detail we get with the cinematic trailer is really cool. And then with the end where we see one of the brothers about to attack his father and how cool is it when the other brother just stops him by force grab, you know, and they just pulls them back and then they have a pretty brief lightsaber duel and, I don't know. I got to say, I've said this before on other episodes regarding The Force Awakens and the new trilogy. One of the new themes I want to see is like sibling rivalry in a way where the main villains and heroes are, I don't know, just judging by The Force Awakens, brother and sister with Kylo Ren and Rey. I'm really hoping that that's the case. I think that'd be the next like drama step you'd want to take where we had father and son with the original trilogy. I think brother and sister would be... A, even if it was brother or brother in some way, just that would be the next level to go for like the new family drama. And I did like what we got a little portion of that in this trailer. I mean, it ended real quick here, but I just made me think about too. Like, oh, I really want to see that play out in the new trilogy where we have a sibling rivalry and that's the main hero and the main villain in this. So yeah, it was a great trailer just from the old Republic standpoint. It looked really cool. I like the look of the characters and the designs and just for added bonus, it got me thinking about the possibilities for <laughs> the force awakens and episodes <laughs> eight and nine. So yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we actually had uh, one of our listeners chime in on this on our Facebook page too. 
Um, you know, Tim, you posted earlier uh, just this evening before we were recorded and said we're recording a new episode tonight with lots of great stuff to talk about with Battlefront and the Rebels premiere and The Force Awakens. Um, uh, and one of our listeners, Jason Birch, commented and said, don't forget about the Old Republic trailer. Um, then he said, keep up the great job on the podcast. So thanks, Jason. Glad you, uh, glad you're enjoying it. Um, and then he also said, if it's cool, can you give a shout out to my Sith guild, uh, Sith Praxium on the beggar and colony, uh, server for the old Republic MMO? Um, no, Jason, I will not give a shout out to your Sith guild, Sith Praxium, even though that's a really cool name because I play as a Jedi Knight and, uh, we don't give shout outs to Sith guilds. So this is not a Sith or this, this is not a shout out to Sith Praxium on beggar and colony. Um, even though that's probably a pretty cool guild for you Sith players. Um, <laughs> yeah, you gotta that's keep not the will of the force. Yeah. <laughs> got to keep your allegiances, Kyle. You can't go over to the dark side, even as little it might seem, you got to stick with the Jedi in the light. Yeah. I mean, I, I do tremendously enjoy destroying people with force lightning on my Sith sorcerer, who's another one of my characters, but no, <laughs> my main guy's a Jedi who nice. wears Darth Revan's armor. Um, but I changed the color to make it look more Jedi-like. <laughs> so even a little bit, even when you're a Sith, you still have that little Jedi influence in there. Yeah, well, so, yeah. No, it's, my, it's my Jedi character who wears the, the Revan armor, but it's like blue and gold and, oh, okay. instead of uh, red and black. So I made it, I, I was kind of going for like what Revan would have looked like if he had stayed a Jedi. Okay, I got you. I thought you meant your Sith character was in the Revan outfit. No. I follow you. See, it's funny when usually like those games where you could pick like Mass Effect and Knights of the Republic, light side, dark side, good, evil, whatever. I always stick to the the good side or the light side. But then when I go, I'm going to replay it again, this time I'm going to be bad and see what happens. Like, I still can't bring myself to do those bad decisions <laughs> or do anything that's going to, like, be really, like, evil <laughs> that your character will uh, do and the outcome it will have on the different characters in the game. It's like, I just can't do it. Maybe I'm just a goody-good. <laughs> I just got to stick with the light side. But one of these days, maybe I'll go, like, full-on evil and just wreak havoc across the galaxy. But it's just not in me yet. <laughs> it's pretty fun, I got to say. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it is. But... Although, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm like you, I do usually go for the light side characters and, you know, personally, you know, some of the time it's because, oh, I'm a Jedi, I'm supposed to be the good guy. And some of the time it's just because like, well, that's what I would do. Like, I've got a decision to save this person or kill him. Like, I could kill him just for fun because it's a video game, but that's not what I would do. So I'm going to, you know, do the, the honorable thing and help people or whatever. Um, but I, I guess I, I do have a little bit easier time um kind of switching that off when i'm just playing an evil character but then again sometimes you know i'll make evil decisions and i'll just be like that was awesome and i got to force (laughs) choke that person but then there are other times where you know i'll I'll do something and i'm like dang did i really just do that (laughs) um like i know there's there's a mission on uh i think it's on hutta which is the starter planet for um bounty hunters and imperial agents um and there's one mission where this woman wants her son to go to the sith academy because you know he's a young boy and he's force sensitive and the sith are trying to recruit him um and his father doesn't want him to go to the the sith academy so the father has like taken the kid and run off um and you're you know the the woman uh you know pays you to go track down the father and uh, get the son back and convince him to, to go train with the Sith. 
And uh, of course you, you go find them and they're about to leave at the spaceport and the father like puts up a fight. He's like, I'm not going to let you take my son. And you can either say like, okay, fine, keep your son. Or you can like shoot the guy right in front of his kid and then be like, come on kid, you're training to become a Sith. Mm. Um, and I'm like, well, I guess my bounty hunter would do whatever it takes to do his job. So I guess I'm going to you know go <laughs> for the dark side option here, but dang, like I, don't know if I'm going to be able to sleep tonight. Yeah, it's like, where's just the punch him, knock him out option? And then <laughs> See, <laughs> be all good. I, I feel like some of the dark side stories in the game are missing some of that. Yeah, It, well, it can anything... feel like there's a little bit too much of an extreme at times. Uh-huh. Um, especially like when you're trying to get light side or dark side points. You know, like, because um, I also have a, a bounty hunter character that I haven't gotten all the way through the story with. But from the stuff I have played, I mean, there will be certain missions where... Um, you know, you, you do a job for somebody or you, you go find a person you're trying to find or whatever. Um, and at the end of it, you know, you, I don't know, you maybe like get some research data. Let, let's, for example, let's say you get some research data from a scientist and then, uh, you know, they're like, okay, fine, take it. Like, please don't kill me. And the light side option is to be like, okay, fine, I'll let you live. And the dark side option is to shoot him. And I'll be like, well, I'm kind of trying to be dark side, so I don't want to get light side points and, like, mess up my dark side score, but I don't want to just, like, shoot this person in the face. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just came here to get something from you, and I got it, so I'm going to just leave now. But I'm not trying to be a goody two-shoes bounty hunter. Like, I would, I don't know, punch you in the face and then leave because I don't like you, but I'm not just going to, like, flat-out shoot you. Like, why does it have to be that extreme here? Yeah, it needs, hopefully... As uh, the games progress, whether it's like new Mass Effect games or new Old Republic games, they'll add more options to where there's more of a gray area in there. Not just one extremely good or one extremely bad. Though I will say when you're talking about that scenario with the kid going to the Sith Academy, if you do kill his father, I mean, that's going to set his path uh, pretty good on an early course <laughs> to go yeah, to the dark Yeah, it'll side. make him a pretty darn good Sith later yeah. on. So. <laughs> He'll feel the hate right away. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it's too bad you can't do that mission as a Sith. It's just like for the bounty hunters and the agents. Because if I were a Sith, you know, I'd, I'd like force choke the guy with the, or you know, force choke the guy standing right there, and then be like, you know, give the kid a Palpatine lecture. Yeah, <laughs> you know, let your anger flow through you. Yeah. But, uh, I was just thinking, or uh, if it had that option, like, what if? Like, can't you, don't you, you want, kind of want to see the kid's story outcome after that. Like, how does he do in that academy? And if you do kill his father, does he go out and get revenge on that bounty hunter that killed his father? <laughs> like, it can branch off to a whole other story point that way. Well, you know, I don't, I don't think he ever comes back around in the story. But um, they did say that as part of this new expansion, there's going to be some stuff like that where, uh, you know, your, your story choices will have impacts on the story further down the line. Um, and I think as an example, they said, um, at one point, like you'll have a a Sith warrior who's like your, one of your companion characters. Um, and if you like, she gets angry and threatens to kill someone. And if you let her kill that person, then like that person's partner comes back after you, you know, sometime later down the line and tries to get revenge or something like that. So, you know, little ways like that, that the, the story threads connect and come back around and stuff is pretty cool that they're, um, including more of that. Yeah, I always love that when the decisions you make affect the outcome later on. That's what I love so much about Mass Effect from the first game. And you see the outcome of stuff you did in that game and 
the third one or the second one. So I always love stuff like that. It's so cool. Yeah. I was just hoping that we get more of that as we're in the new console generation now, and it just takes that to another level, hopefully, with these new games that are like that. Yeah, and even though I usually play the, the Mass Effect games as a Paragon Shepherd, I still like punching that guy out the window in Mass Effect 2 because that's just yeah. fun. <laughs> I do do those options sometimes where if the guy's really annoying, you don't necessarily kill him, but you just like, give him a punch or like knock him out or something. Those are always fun. <laughs> yeah, and then there's that one Renegade trigger in Mass Effect 3 that I always pull, which is the, uh, the one during the Kai Leng boss fight at the end. Um, oh yeah <laughs> yeah like, i think i did that too <laughs> yeah you you can't not do that one yeah that's a really good point yes yeah anyway um like i got off on a tangent about old republic bounty hunter stories and then we went off on a tangent on a tangent on mass effect so uh, <laughs> we'll get out of tangentception here and get back to talking about star wars um but I mean that—that's pretty much all the the East E three stuff that we had to cover. Um, you know, like we said, there was that little mobile game that we're not really all that excited for. The Old Republic stuff looks really cool, um, and of course the Battlefront stuff just blowing us away on pretty much every level here. So um, man, just cannot wait for that. Yeah. I will say too, real quick, because also another game that was there was the Disney Infinity three point oh. Oh yes, yeah. I, Totally forgot about that. Yeah, you and me talked about that, how it looks cool, but it's not something we're going to get. But when I saw some of the video footage of the gameplay, man, it looks really fun. It just made me think, ah, why does that have to be where you have to get the figures, though? Because <laughs> the art style on it looks really cool. The gameplay looks fun. The combat system looks really cool. I mean, they got uh, the developers, I believe, uh, Ninja Storm, who's known for their good like action sword play games. So the Jedi stuff looked really cool. So yeah, I mean, for those who are going to get it, it's going to be a fun game. Like I said, I just kind of wish it was just a Star Wars game where you can pick the characters already loaded in there. You don't have to buy action figures. I mean, it is cool technology where you can swipe them out. That's how at any time to put your character in there. But uh, this is going to be a real expensive investment <laughs> if you're going to get it fully into that game. Yeah, I don't know about that. But yeah, like you said, it does look pretty cool. And if I have any friends who get this game, I will definitely uh, you know, make the trip over to their house and uh, try it out. Um, yeah, after you're done with Battlefront, of course. <laughs> well, of course. Um, you know, maybe when my Xbox One controller batteries die or something, I'll be like, oh, go go over to somebody else's house and play uh, Disney Infinity for a while. No, so you got to make sure you have the rechargeable battery where you just plug your USB cable into the system when you're still playing while it's charging. <laughs> oh, well, you can go that route too. <laughs> for Battlefront, you got to go that route. Yeah, <laughs> or, well, I mean, I usually just have you know huge packs of duracell batteries from costco on hand and <laughs> that's good too yeah you know, keep going that way but um so yeah anyway um you know it was obviously a, a huge week of star wars stuff with uh, e3 and all the gaming news and all that um but since then we have also got some pretty exciting uh star wars the force awakens stuff some more leaks and uh and uh you know stuff like that um, not really any story spoilers because, you know, we've been staying away from those mostly here lately. Um, you know, every once in a while you'll still see like, oh, here's a big rumored plot spoiler or uh, in a, a description of an entire scene or something like that. And I've pretty much reached the point now where I'm like, eh, I can hold off on that stuff and just wait till I see the movie. But then when you see, uh, you know, leaked images or concept art or anything like that, 
Um, I'm still a sucker for that stuff and I got to click on it and see it. And so first of all, we got these two, uh, leaked screenshots, um, from making star Wars, of course, where, you know, a lot of the leaks are coming from nowadays, but, um, man, these, these screenshots, I'm not sure if this is from, you know, who got a hold of these and posted them online, but they're just, Man, I, I was kind of like left speechless by this. And it's not like there's anything really spectacular happening in these screenshots anyway. In one of them, it's uh, it's Finn and Ray and Han in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. Um, and then in another one, it's uh, Captain Phasma and uh, what actually looks like Don Hall Gleason and his uh, Imperial officer character standing on the bridge of a Star Destroyer. Um and so, you know, nothing like really remarkable. It's not like a, a shot of a lightsaber battle or some big new thing that we didn't know was going to be in the movie or something. Um, obviously, sort of the biggest notable thing here is that we see Don Hall Gleason's character for the first time. But I don't know, this is just something about this image of, uh, you know, Han and Leia and, or Leia, <laughs> Han and Ray and Finn in the cockpit of the Falcon just got me so excited for the movie again. Um, I mean, there's something about, like, not one of the sort of big, um, I don't know, like, obviously the, the shots that they decide to put in these teaser trailers are the the ones that they think are going to get you, like, the most excited. Like, it's it's Kylo Ren looking directly at the camera, or it's a, a TIE fighter swooping by, like, sort of these big action shots. But this looks like something just out of a scene, you know, towards the... the beginning or middle of the movie just the characters in the cockpit probably flying towards a planet or something like that um so it's like not really anything really notable but it's just you know it's like wow that's like just something randomly out of the middle of a new star wars movie and i'm like super excited about it yeah you said it perfectly i had the exact same feelings you had about this yeah nothing really major or revealing we've seen most of all these characters before besides domino gleason's but yeah it just gave you that special feeling like oh man this is new shot that we've never seen before of a star wars movie that's what makes these leaked images i think pretty special because we've gotten concept art images before which have been great and of course everyone puts out high res images from the trailers we've got but this is the first time we're seeing screenshots of a new Star Wars movie that we haven't seen before. And it's just, like you said, it was just something really cool to experience again. I mean, we've got some of this, or I remember seeing this type of stuff for the prequels, and now it's starting again with the sequel trilogy. So I'm sure we're going to be getting more images that leak out um, that are going to be in the same vein. But yeah, it got me really excited and pumped up too. I mean, it is again, the speculation game, when you see these images, I mean, you talked a little bit about the one with Han, uh, Ray, and Finn, but the one... With Domino Gleason and, of course, Captain Phasma looking as cool as she always does. I mean, uh, you know how much I love the look of this character. This, again, she's not even really doing anything, but just the way her head's turned and how she's looking at him. It, she just looks so cool, man. Uh, I just really hope she's in it enough where she leaves a lasting impression on Star Wars fans everywhere. Then it's where it's not just a scene or two where it's looking like that's not going to be the case. So I'm really glad about that. But one thing I noticed, too, and I wonder if you did too, Kyle, where in the background of that image, you see the body of a stormtrooper and the quality of these images aren't great. But if, when I look at it, I see that trooper behind there doesn't have a helmet on. Doesn't it look kind of alien to you? I mean, the face looks like it's kind of a bluish tint. And I know they're looking at a, a, 
like a hologram screen that's blue. But I don't know. When I looked at that trooper in the background, it made me think, oh, is that an alien? I don't know. Did you you get that impression at all? I'm looking at it right now. This is kind of the first time I've taken note of that part of it. Um, And I'm actually wondering if that stormtrooper is in the background or if that's part of the hologram image that they're looking at. Mm, Um, Good point. Either way, though, it does look like the stormtrooper has, at least to me, looks like they're facing away from the camera. So that looks like the back of their head, maybe. Um, actually, I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell. That you know what? Now that you think about it or that you mentioned that where it could be the hologram, I think that actually might be the case. Because if you look at it, you see like like a polygon image of a face there, too. And I think what we're kind of expecting where we know Finn is on the run from right. the Empire. What if that's him that they're searching or tracking? You see his like face in that polygon there, but then you see like his body as a stormtrooper like rotating in, as an image, kind of like his profile shot in front of that screen or something like that. Yeah, it it very well could be. You um, know what? I think that might be it now. Now that you mentioned that, and I'm looking at it again, that is probably it. Yeah, because I mean, if you look real close, that stormtrooper. I mean, it looks kind of flat and like a little bit grainy and i mean these aren't like the best quality screenshots anyway i mean they do look pretty good but um these were obviously like taken from a camera off of a screen and this isn't like a a screenshot directly from a computer or something but um yeah i don't know it's like that that stormtrooper looks a little bit grainier and and fuzzier than the rest of the picture and so it looks like that's you know maybe an image or something and not just uh, a trooper standing there yeah i think you're actually going to be right about that i don't know it kind of got me excited though when i was just looking at it for the first time like from my phone and not really looking at it like oh because we've heard rumors before too where there could be some stormtroopers that are aliens and i kind of like that idea it'd be kind of cool to see a stormtrooper take their helmet off and you see a rodian or something like that so when i saw that like oh this could be a little a bit of more that gives uh some credence to those rumors that we've heard about but in the end though it's still an awesome image i mean i when i look at it too i can't help but think okay who's giving the orders here is captain phasma giving the orders to domino gleason or is domino gleason in charge giving the orders to captain phasma to go hunt down finn and it was almost kind of like a Vader slash Tarkin vibe where you mm-hmm. see the cool looking character in the suit with the helmet and then you see the Imperial officer there. So yeah, I just love this image. It's just so cool to look at. And again, Captain Phasma, whenever she's in anything, an image or a trailer, it's not going to disappoint because she just looks too cool. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, there's definitely a, a Vader Tarkin vibe going on there. Um, I will say too that they... for the other image with uh, Han, Finn and Ray. Uh, Ray has like a worried look on her face and Finn is looking out of the cockpit at something that's out there. And like Hans, I don't know, in a way looking like he's going to say, are you okay, Ray? So something must have went down <laughs> in the sequence before. So I don't know, just curious to see what it's going to be. And I think the information is out there if you want, because I believe in the post making Star Wars has a link to a previous report they have about this sequence or a sequence that came before it. So the info probably is out there if you want to, but I'm not going to check it out just yet. The screenshot is enough for me <laughs> to get me all pumped and excited mm-hmm. and speculate on what's going on in this scene here. Yeah, I didn't read that other report that they posted the link to, but they do say just sort of in the captions for these, um, in the first screenshot, they said uh, this picture, the, this first picture is Han Solo piloting the Falcon with Ray and Finn. This is where she discovers the green world for the first time. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, she does kind of look like she maybe has a little bit of a worried look on her face, but Finn definitely looks like he's just looking out the cockpit like, whoa, what is this new planet we're going to? Yeah. Um, either that or, whoa, crap, there's a Star Destroyer coming right at us. Um, but, you know, either way, um, I don't know. They could be, she could be worried about something else entirely. You know, this could be like, um, yeah, we're going to a new planet, but I'm bummed because I just saw the first order, you know, burn my village on Jakku, or I just found out that, uh, you know, my dad is still alive and now I'm taking a ride in his beat up old spaceship that I don't like or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, uh, it kind of yeah, made I me mean, think too, is this the scene where like in the trailer, BB eight pops his head out to make sure everything's okay in the cockpit. <laughs> Cause he's not here in this shot. Maybe, but you know, I got the feeling from that trailer that, and you know, obviously of course it's not much to go on, but just sort of my instinct was that, um, BB eight, he, he almost looks like he's poking his head around the corner, kind of timidly, like, uh, you know, he's, he's spying on somebody who's not supposed to be there or something. And I think, maybe he's, I think he's right behind Han and Chewie when Han is saying Chewie were home. Um, you know, I think the Falcon has been in somebody else's possession and it's just sitting there on Jakku and Han and Chewie are there for whatever reason. And they're like, Hey, look, it's our old ship. And they go aboard and BB eight is already on there. Um, and you know, they, they walk on board and then BB eight kind of like rolls around a corner and he's like, "Uh Oh, who are these guys? And then, you know, Han and Chewie walk into the cockpit and he says, Chewie, we're home. Um, total guess and speculation on my part, but, uh, I don't know. That was just sort of the, the first impression I got from that. Actually, that'd be pretty cool though. <laughs> now that you're talking about that, maybe that'll be the way they introduce BB eight too, as Han and uh, Chewie get in the Falcon BB-8's been there, and that's where they find him. I'm sure the real info is out there, <laughs> and yeah, people probably. listening are going, oh, you guys, it's already there, <laughs> and we know what's, if that's right or not, but we'll find out when we actually see the movie. Yeah. In fact, maybe the shot of BB-8 like rolling across the desert really fast from the first trailer is him leaving the Falcon, going to find Ray, and being like, Ray, there's a creepy old guy and a big hairy thing on your spaceship. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's actually that's actually what he's gonna say. Yes, <laughs> yeah, in beeps, of course. Oh, of course. <laughs> so um, yeah, man, just like you, these two images were just awesome to get. I mean, yeah. Kind of hoping for more now. <laughs> yeah, and actually, from where... the in the caption for the second picture, they say uh, the second photo is Don Hall Gleason's character, the general, uh, dispatching Captain Phasma after Finn because Kylo Ren can't be everywhere at once. <laughs> Yeah, so let's just get two cool-looking characters out there. <laughs> yeah, although I still am kind of wondering. Well, I guess we have seen that image, or you know, the the shot of Kylo Ren like with the the First Order stormtroopers in the back. Because um, I was wondering, like, is he actually going to be part of the First Order, or is he just going to be, uh, you know, sort of his own villain who maybe kind of interacts with them or has ties with them? But I don't, I, like, I don't know if he'll be. Um, sort of in, in the exact same vein of Darth Vader where like he had military command and, uh, you know, that much pull in the empire and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, or if he'll just sort of be, uh, I, I guess maybe a little bit more like Ventress was where, um, yeah, she could command battle droids or whatever, but really she was mostly off doing her own thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think it can go either way as far as if he's going to be like fully, fully part of the first order or, you know, for lack of a better term, a part-timer or something like that. But 
yeah, regardless, I mean, like you said in that caption, of got Kylo Ren can't be everywhere at once. Okay, we'll send another intimidating, <laughs> cool-looking character in Captain Phasma to go find Finn. All right, just to have these two characters roaming about in the galaxy, and then hopefully they'll eventually they'll interact together. And that's one thing I haven't heard on or looked at to see if they're going to have any scenes together. I mean, if they're both on screen with their cool helmets and masks, uh, <laughs> like I wouldn't want that image to end. And I want that image on my desktop wallpaper right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would just be too much to handle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you can have Darth Vader and Boba Fett on screen together, there's there's definitely room for uh, the two of them to be in the same scene. Yeah, let's put in the broken up Darth Vader helmets that just add to the coolness in that. Oh. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to. <laughs> no, I, I think that Darth Vader helmet is... I, I think the only characters that are going to be in the same scene with that thing is going to be Kylo Ren and or Supreme Leader Snoke. Yeah. Or maybe Luke or Rey or, or somebody if they come across it. But I don't think, you know, it's just going to be sitting there on display for all the stormtroopers to walk past and be checking it out. Yeah, I agree. It's probably just going to be Kylo Ren and Snoke, but how cool would it be to have those three cool helmets all in the same place? And let's throw in a Mandalorian helmet there. Let's get Boba Fett or Jango Fett's helmet yeah. <laughs> right by Darth Vader's or something. Not now I'm just getting greedy <laughs> wanting all these cool-looking helmet designs to be in one shot. Yeah, and then one of the uh, the First Order flame troopers just like accidentally stumbles into the room and is like, oh, sorry, you know, yeah. wrong room. <laughs> Knocks something over and an old Republic clone trooper helmet comes out <laughs> and then we're all set. <laughs> Echo just walks in is yeah. like, all his mechanical implants. He's like, guys, I'm still alive. Just needed to bring some arc trooper armor to this party. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and that'd be the best Star Wars scene ever. Yeah. Now we're venturing into like, you know, fan film territory. <laughs> it's just, you know, fan service out the wazoo, but um, oh, it man. still would be pretty freaking sweet to see that. Yeah. Well, I could probably uh, count on tons of like fan made posters or images with Photoshop where they put all these cool looking characters in one single shot or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, or even I mean, if Boba Fett does come back in this new trilogy, having him interact with uh, with Captain Phasma at some point, that would be pretty sweet. Because obviously, I mean, she kind of seems like she's support, supposed to be kind of filling that archetype, I guess, mm-hmm. in in this movie. Yeah, I'm also curious to see how she's going to sound too. I hope there's a really cool like helmet filter to his to her voice that like you know, clone troopers had, Boba Fett had. We all know Darth Vader has the biggest one, but just something that adds to the coolness would be a really cool effect on her voice. Yeah, although, you know, I guess that's something I haven't really thought a whole lot about. Um, I mean, I'm sure it'll be some kind of cool effect, but I'm also kind of wondering if maybe she just won't even say that much. That's possible, Um, too, yeah. Because, I mean, again, in that same vein of Boba Fett, he was always like the strong, silent type. Um, And obviously, Captain Phasma is supposed to be like an elite, Stormtrooper, but the question is, you know, is she like a stormtrooper commander who's going to be commanding a bunch of other stormtroopers, or is she like sort of an elite commando unit who operates uh, independently? And mm-hmm. you know, she she's sort of in that vein of like Palpatine's, uh, you know, his his Red Royal Guards from the original trilogy, and um, seems like she'll definitely have more action in this movie. But um, I mean, those guys never said anything; like they just stood there and watched Palpatine and Yoda fight and didn't do anything about yeah. it. So, um, you know, is, is she going to be like 
threatening Finn and being like, hail the First Order and blah, blah, blah? Or is she just going to be like, keep my mouth shut, wear my cool shiny armor and shoot some people? Now I'm thinking if that would work better if she doesn't say a word at all or she's just the silent killer and just adds more to her intimidating factor that it looks like she's going to have in this movie. Yeah, see, now I don't know. <laughs> what do I want? I don't know. And then, I, I mean, I also feel like, and I don't think she won't say anything at all. Because even, you know, Boba Fett in Empire's got, you know, a handful of lines, you know, what if he doesn't survive? He's worth a lot to me and all that kind of stuff. Um, and also, you know, with, with some of the controversy that's already been stirred up around this movie, I can just see somebody starting a, a firestorm online being like, oh, so they finally, you know, cast more female characters and got this cool female villain, but then, you know, told her to keep her mouth shut for the whole movie and didn't give her yeah, any lines. Blah, blah. I'm like, whatever. You wish you had that cool, shiny armor. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, you're probably right about that. There would be some kind of backlash about it. But now we're talking about Captain Phasma, so maybe going a little Captain Phasma rant here. But as cool, I'd probably change my tune if it does happen. But I'm kind of thinking right now, I don't want to see any action stuff with her just yet until we see the movie. I mean, maybe it'd be something they should save. Because we're getting these really cool shots of her I mean, from the trailer and the Vanity Fair issue and this image. Maybe they should save the action stuff for when you actually see the movie because she's already, already selling herself as a great character. She's just standing there and walking in the images that we've seen in the shot in the trailer. So I mean, you don't have to sell me anymore on her. She's looking awesome. So maybe we should just save the her action stuff for the movie. But in the next trailer we get, if we see her doing something cool in an action bit, I'm not going to complain either. So <laughs> either way, but I think it would be something to kind of keep that maybe a mystery of how how she's going to operate in the field of battle. So I don't know. But like I said, if we do see it beforehand, I probably won't complain and just be geeking out all, all about it once <laughs> I do see it. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, it does kind of seem like one of those things where, I mean, regardless of whether or not they show any teasers of it in the trailers and stuff, um, I think within the movie itself, she'll probably be, um, I don't know, maybe a ticking time bomb for, for lack of a better term, like, you know, one of those characters, you'll, you'll see her hunting Finn the entire movie. And like, every time the heroes leave somewhere, she shows up right afterwards, or you see her, you know, sending stormtroopers after them, but they get away before she actually fights them or something like that until like sometime toward the end of the movie, when they finally have to, you know, face her face to face. And you see her, you know, pull out some crazy moves or some crazy new weapon or something like that. Um, Again, kind of similar to Boba Fett in the original trilogy, where I'm sure when Empire first came out, people were being people were thinking like, man, this guy would be awesome in a fight. Like, look how cool that armor is. And he's got the blaster and, you know, a jetpack with what looks like a missile sticking up out of the middle of it and all this cool stuff. Um, And then, you know, of course, in Return of the Jedi, he gets to be really cool in a fight for all of like two minutes before Han whacks him in the back with a stick and he goes flying into the Sarlacc pit. So hopefully Captain Phasma has a better payoff to that buildup. But I do think, you know, I, I don't think she's going to start off the movie just running around guns blazing. I think they're going to yeah. build up the suspense to that point. Yeah. But I don't, we don't have to wait a whole other movie to see her in action too. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. And let's hope she survives the force awakens also. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I do kind of hope she does, but at the same time, you know something's probably got to give. Um, 
I mean, between her and Kylo Ren and Supreme Leader Snoke, like, I don't know that all three of those are necessarily going to make it to the next movie. Yeah, and out of all of them, I think it'd be Captain Phasma who would be the likely one to go, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, probably. Unless, I mean, unless they kill Kylo Ren and also, you know, set up for some new villain at the same time, but I don't think they would do that. Yeah, I mean... His, his mask is too awesome for them to kill him off in one movie. <laughs> See, I can say the same thing about Captain Phasma, and more so. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I guess it all depends on how much they want to, like, buck the trend of previous Star Wars movies and uh, maybe actually have her armor do something in a fight. You know, she could just get, like, shot and wounded and defeated, but be like, hey, this heavy chrome armor that I'm wearing is actually good for something, and I'm not dead yet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, that had me laughing, but yeah, I agree. That would be cool. Maybe you'd think she's dead, but then, like, in another shot before the scene ends, we see her get up or just give it a little hint that she's still alive. Yeah. Well, eh, I mean, I'd rather it just kind of be obvious, like, she got wounded but is not dead. Because I don't like when they make you think the character's dead and it's all dramatic and everything. And then at the end, it's like, oh, nope, they survived. We pulled a fast one on you. Yeah, that's true, too. Just leave it out there as it should be. If she's alive, she's alive. If she's dead, she's dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, Tarkin in A New Hope, there was no coming back from that Death Star. Yeah, place. I don't think so. <laughs> he um, got out at just the last second. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, again, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see how it goes. Um, but that's definitely, you know, that's that's one of the things in the back of my mind now. It's like, okay, now that we know who most of these new characters are, like, how many of them are going to survive this movie? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> because the thing is, is, they all look so good. We, we're like thinking about like all, all the awesome stuff we're going to see, and then we're not really thinking about. You know, there's going to be some deaths in this movie, so you got to yeah. take that into account with all these characters we're getting introduced to. Also, yeah, I could maybe see Maz Kanata biting the dust. From see, I don't know. I think she's going to be the new like Chewie of this trilogy. Really? Yeah. She's a pirate queen. I was thinking she was going to be more like the Jabba of this movie. Except, See, I think she's know, obviously to, uh, not quite as grotesque. I think there's rumors that she's going to be traveling with him too, eventually. Huh. I mean, that could be pretty cool if it works out like that. I mean, I don't think, you know, even if she does end up traveling with them, I don't think she'll be, you know, chewy necessarily. Um, or just like the alien presence in there. Right, right. Yeah, the, the alien companion, but not like the... the big alien brute sidekick yeah kind of thing. definitely not that um but yeah i don't know that that could be pretty interesting again we don't really have anything to go off of for for speculation in that way um except i mean i do remember hearing some rumors a while back that there might be a planet that gets destroyed by a super weapon or something and maybe that's her planet but i don't know at this point all the the previous like rumors and stuff that we've heard have kind of just been like jumbled together in my brain and uh you know i'm trying not to like think too much about it so i won't be spoiled when i go into the movie but then when i see stuff happen in the movie i'll be like oh yeah i remember reading an article about that like <laughs> yeah, yeah gonna 18 be months ago too. and wow well, it turns out they were right that's crazy yep. i think that's gonna happen a lot too <laughs> like oh so they did do that or that yeah. did happen <laughs> Yeah, and then, uh, so let's move on to this next set of images here, um, and uh, we've got some from uh, StarWars7News.com. They posted a few pictures of uh, some characters in costume. Now, apparently, I guess this is from a 
photo shoot? I'm not exactly sure. I mean, the one thing that we can tell from this um, is they've got a picture of Greg Grunberg, uh, who's, uh, you know, an actor and a close friend of J.J. Abrams. Um, if you've watched the show Heroes, he was uh, the, the police officer, Matt Parkman, in that show. Um, and we knew that he was going to be in this movie. Um, and so now we've got a picture of him in costume as an X-Wing pilot. Um and, uh, you know, of course he's kind of a bigger guy. So a lot of people, and got a, a scruffy looking beard too. So a lot of people online have been joking like, oh, he's the new Porkins of this movie. But, yeah. <laughs> um, from some of the, the rumors about the story and stuff, it sounds like he might be more like the new Wedge Antilles of this trilogy. Um, cause it, he, he said he was, uh, I guess on location for seven weeks. Um, you know, so it has kind of a, a, a smaller role, but at the same time, kind of a significant role. And there's also been a rumor that uh, he's signed on for three movies. So, uh, you know, Porkins definitely was not in three movies. Um, that was a, a one trick pony, a gig that, or a gag that lasted for one movie. Um, <laughs> let's have a fat pilot, call him Porkins, then blow him up. <laughs> if only he would have pulled up. Should have listened to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, his, maybe his ship was too heavy. He couldn't yeah. blow <laughs> Uh, that was another funny moment for that family guy episode <laughs> oh see that i don't remember uh, where he's like sticking out of the whole cockpit and the ship just goes down because the weight is too big and he crashes <laughs> yeah i don't remember that i should watch those again though um but anyway so you can clearly tell this is like a legit picture of uh greg gunberg in an x-wing pilot suit here now the other two um characters here um are, are supposedly returning characters, um, and that's Admiral Akbar and Nian Num uh, from Return of the Jedi. Obviously, you know we all know Akbar and the Nian Num as uh, you know Lando's co-pilot uh, from flying the Falcon into the Death Star. Um, now, I don't know about you, Tim, but to me, I can't even tell if these are like actual photos, or I mean, they look like they could maybe be paintings too. It's hard to tell. Yeah, to me, I got the vibe that they are photos, and similar to the shot of uh, of a. Uh, see, I'm already forgetting on the name. The guy, the new Porkins are wedges. <laughs> Greg Gunberg, yeah, him. <laughs> it does look in the same vein. I mean, the background looks the same, and to me, yeah, it's probably just because they're in costumes and they're alien creatures that maybe it looks a little different. But to me, I think they're definitely photos, like from taken from a photo op, and going to be used for some type of publicity shots or just to have on record there. Cause I remember for the prequels, they did this a lot too, where they just took pictures of a lot of the different characters and aliens, especially for episode two, when they introduced a lot of the Jedi, they just took photos of everyone in costume behind these like blanks, like backgrounds and just have them do a pose. So yeah, I think it's definitely actually people in costumes and they're there posing for the picture. Yeah. I mean, it does have the same background. Um, and I guess the the costumes do look pretty photorealistic. There's just something about the the masks and the you know prosthetics that looks almost painted to me. But it could just be the lighting. It could also be the fact that these aren't like the best quality images. They're maybe a little blurry, so maybe it's just that. Um, but also, it's like, do we know for sure this is Nia Numb and Admiral Akbar? Like, it could just be a Mon Calamari and a Celestin. But um, either way, I mean, I well. I wouldn't be surprised if Admiral Akbar comes back. I guess I would kind of be surprised. Like you're not having Lando or Wedge Antilles come back, but you're bringing back Nia Numb. Really? Like okay. <laughs> yeah, I imagine this is going to be for 
a scene or two where there's a, a group of rebel or resistance fighters and we see the num and well, I think if anything, Admiral Akbar maybe might have some dialogue and more active role is because you would imagine him being a, pretty high up there and as a leader of the resistance. But Neonum, I'm not sure. Maybe he didn't move up in the ranks too much in the 30 years since the Jedi. But well, Akbar probably have dialogue. If it is Akbar, I think Neonum maybe not. Maybe he'll just say a few things just to make fans give a shout out and a clap when they hear his uh, classic lines that we've heard from Jedi, something like that. So they probably, I think, won't even mention his name. It'll be something for fans to pick on. Yeah. So out of the two, I think, if anything, it'll be Akbar where they make it known that this is Admiral Akbar here. They'll probably say his name and maybe they'll have some a few lines of dialogue. Yeah, I would love it if Akbar walked into a scene and there's like a, a military meeting going on or something and like a bunch of people are waiting to to hear him give a briefing. They're all sitting in like a meeting room um, and then he comes in like a couple minutes late, just walks in and goes, it's a great day to be a member of the resistance, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> then he turns around and winks at the screen. Like, <laughs> you know what I was going to say there. <laughs> Man, with the scenes we're thinking of, we're going to make The Force Awakens into a slapstick comedy type thing. <laughs> we're like writing the Robot Chicken and Family Guy specials yep. before the movies <laughs> even come out. Oh, brother. Um, but yeah, so I mean, again, these aren't like hugely prominent characters that I definitely want to see return in the movie. But at the same time, I think it fits. Um, although they don't really look any older, except Admiral you know, Akbar is maybe a little bit wrinklier, but... Um, I don't know, maybe Nia Num was like a teenager at the time of Empire's or at the time of Return of the Jedi or something, but, yeah. um, you know, they don't really look like they've aged much, but I don't know much about, uh, Mon Calamari aging anyway, so. Yeah, we can just take it that um, they age a lot slower than humans do. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's cool that if they end up being Akbar and Nia Num, it's just a cool little thing to add in there. It's almost kind of like... Why not? We need some aliens in this shot or a few scenes to do. Let's make something where it's familiar characters for the fans to pick up on. So I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I have no problem with it. It's, it's pretty cool if they do end up being in there. So that was cool to see. Um, also, we got another leaked picture from uh, Making Star Wars. Now, we had heard uh, a while back, you know, some descriptions of Leia's costume for this movie and, uh, you know, then got like a leaked little... I wouldn't even say concept art, but, you know, sketch of uh, what her costume might look like. And now we actually have a leaked, uh, I guess this is a, a photograph of her in the costume. Um, and it's basically exactly what they described. It's it's kind of just a gray, I don't know, jumpsuit, I guess, with a, a black vest over it. And then kind of a little bit of a fancy looking belt buckle she's got going on there. So it's not totally like bland looking, but... Um, it is definitely a sort of more function over fashion, I guess you could say. Um, it, it's a, a far cry from, uh, you know, Queen Amidala's red dress with the glowing eyeballs on it and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, and does look pretty similar to uh, the, the rebel soldiers on the Tantive Four in A New Hope. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, knowing Leia, this won't be the only costume she wears for the whole movie, but... Um, I think as far as being a uh, an elderly, you know, diplomat slash resistance leader kind of thing, I think yeah, it, it works for what it is. Yeah, I like it. I mean, we've talked about it before when the reports about the concept art of what her outfit's going to look like came out, how I like how it's kind of paying homage to the rebel fighters on the blockade runner from A New Hope and how it has that 
Alderman look to it. So I do like that. And then it does kind of, or I think it exactly is the shot where we see her getting handed the lightsaber in the trailer. I mean, the arm sleeves on there were gray and there's like a, a black uh, vest going down too that looks similar to what the outfit she's wearing here. So yeah, I mean, I'm still waiting for her and Luke to get the official first look. I mean, a good quality image or a shot in a teaser trailer or a, just a regular trailer coming up soon. So, But it was still kind of cool to get our first look at Princess Leia again and how she's going to look in The Force Awakens. So I think she looks good. So looking forward to see it when we get a real image of her. And hopefully soon we'll finally get Luke. <laughs> that's yeah. the big one. And I, I mean, think they know like, that's the big one too. <laughs> yeah, every time there's like leaked screenshot or leaked concept art or leaked image or whatever, I'm like clicking on the link going, is it Luke? Is it Luke? Is it Luke? And then I'm like, oh, no, it's not Luke. But it's Han and Ray and Finn sitting in the cockpit of the Falcon and flying to a new planet, and I'm getting goosebumps right now. Like, there's not even anything going on here. Why am I so excited? Yeah. <laughs> I just imagine when we see Luke for the first right? time. Right, I was about to say, like, I won't we're, be able to contain myself. We're getting goosebumps with this stuff. We're going to get, like, frozen <laughs> with chills when we see the first image of Luke where someone's going to have to shake us to get us back to normal and just get yeah. more excited for it all over again. Unless they to. can manage to keep from, you know, any leaks or anything happening until like the next trailer that might have Luke in it. Um, Cause you know, if, if we see that for the first time at the end of a trailer, instead of, you know, through, through leak concept art or something like that would just be even better yeah, that's the ideal way to have that happen. Hopefully it is because, yeah, if they end a trailer with him like pulling off his hood and we see him say a line or two. That would just be uh, so epic. Or just see awesome. him like look up. You know, you see a hooded face and it just looks up. You see the beard and then you see the face and then you just see the, the lightsaber blade go up in front of it. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I think I would actually faint. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how cool was it when we just saw the first shot of him in that trailer with him putting his hand on R2 and hearing his voiceover. I mean, that was enough to give you chills. So when you actually see Luke Skywalker again for the first time in over 30 years, uh, it's going to be, as Darth Vader said, a day long remembered. Not just like when we see the movie, but the first time we see Luke again is just going to be a monumental occasion, I think, in and itself. And hopefully yeah. we're, <laughs> that day is going to get here soon. Well, see, the funny thing for me is the first time I watched that trailer, um, I mean, you know, watching it now, of course, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, even though we can't see him, like, we're all pretty sure that's Luke right there. Um, but the first time, I mean, I was just so excited and my mind was racing and I was just like, who the heck is that? Like, I want to see who's under the cloak. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it took me maybe like another one or two times watching it to be like, oh, obviously that's Luke. Like, he's with R2. He's got a mechanical hand and it shows him right as he says, I have it. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Just thinking about it now. That was such a well-put-together trailer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we've really said that is. enough, but that trailer was great, wasn't it? That trailer was phenomenal. <laughs> and uh, I think after we finish recording this episode, I'm going to go watch that again and then watch the Battlefront gameplay footage again and then watch the Old Republic cinematic trailer again. Uh, maybe all four of them just for the heck of it. Yeah, and then you'll have dreams about Star Wars and being in one of those, <laughs> actually playing in a battle in Battlefront or in The Force Awakens or in the Old Republic era. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of dreams, did you hear about uh, Ryan Johnson's Twitter post about having the, the dream about the episode oh, yeah. action scene or something? Yeah, um, that was pretty cool. Then Dave Filoni responded. Yeah. I should, go for, I should go find that real quick, just because for anybody who hasn't seen this yet, 
it's uh, kind of a fun little anecdote. And I know some people were kind of annoyed by it. They're like, oh, really? Like, this is what what's counting for Star Wars news these days? But um, <laughs> nah, I, it's, it was, it's fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, because uh, it was about him, like, being with a dog, right? And then Dave Filoni t- tweeted out the image that the dog had a lightsaber. And there was, like, a quick sketch of that. It was just really cool looking. <laughs> yeah. So this is, like... Uh, I guess three or four tweets that he sent out. He said, last night I dreamed I storyboarded an action scene that that I was so excited about. I felt like even if I mess the rest of the movie up, this scene is going to blow the roof off the theater. It's so great. Then I realized I was dreaming in the dream. So I thought I have to concentrate now and hold on to the sequence in my head when I wake (laughs) up. And when I woke up, I had done it. I had the whole thing shot for shot perfectly in my head, ready to shoot. Then I realized it was a sequence where a Jedi fights a dog on a canoe. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and then he he actually uh tweeted a picture of just a little rough sketch that he did of a stick figure holding a lightsaber on a boat and there's a dog on it um but then dave filoni responded with a an actual a, a much more detailed sketch i guess with uh you know dave being all artistic and everything um and dave just responded said maybe the dog has the lightsaber and you see there's like you know, this big wave, there's a canoe on top of it, and there's a, a just a hooded Jedi figure with his back to the camera, and then a dog with a lightsaber in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it again right now. It just, I love Dave Filoni's art style, too, so that yeah. helps. It's just a really cool but yet funny image with the dog and the lightsaber. It just makes you think, I'm, I'm sure it's ridiculous in the context of a movie, but you just think in your head, like, how would that look on screen? It'd probably, as ridiculous as it sounds, be pretty cool. Okay? <laughs> Dude, watch. Dave Filoni is going to turn this into a Rebels episode now. <laughs> it's, somehow, it is going to end up in there somehow. Embo is going to come back <laughs> and fight Kanan, and Embo's dog is going to get a hold of Kanan's lightsaber while they're on a ship or a land speeder or something like that. <laughs> you know what? You're probably right. <laughs> He'll find a way to make it work, and that sounds like the perfect way, in my opinion, <laughs> when you describe that. Yeah, I'm like, knowing Dave, that that is going to happen somehow. He he is sketching this going, I should somehow get Embo's dog to end up with a lightsaber. Yeah, what, we know uh, Embo's dog, wasn't it graffitied on the part of the ghost by Sabine? There's like a... like. One of the first images where they show part of the ghost where it has all like the art that she did. I think one of the shots was uh, a drawing of Embo's dog on there. So, Well, I know Embo is on there and so is uh, Cat Bane. I don't remember seeing the dog, but I wouldn't See, be surprised if that's on there too. I thought it was the dog instead of Embo, but maybe I'm <laughs> remembering it wrong. No, I'm pretty sure Embo's face is on there. Um, or, I mean, maybe it's the dog with the hat, but I'm pretty sure Embo's yeah. hat is on there. <laughs> Yeah. Either way, <laughs> it was still a cool little nod to the character of Ambo. But yeah, if he's gonna make this work, it'd probably be with that with his dog. Which I know it has a name, but I can't remember. What yeah, it's uh, Maroc, I think. Okay. <laughs> then we'll get Maroc and Kanan on a canoe, and he has a lightsaber. <laughs> Best Star Wars Rebels episode ever. <laughs> and and have Ryan Johnson direct it, or at least storyboard that action scene. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, if that is in there, it'd make for a great Rebels Recon uh, episode <laughs> as they recap it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> be See, funny this needs to happen now. I, I really hope Dave Filoni has already thought about this and that, you know, he doesn't somehow, like, catch wind of, of us saying this on the podcast and that I didn't somehow just, like, give him this idea. And then <laughs> well, it happens and it'd be like, now people can blame me for the episode where Embo fights the dog on the canoe. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's probably going to happen because, you know, Dave's such a 
loyal listener to all our episodes. So. Right. No, but you know, some <laughs> listener could like tweet him and be like, Hey, somebody said you should do this. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to be the one to plant the seed, but knowing Dave, I'm sure the seed has already been planted. Yeah. Obviously with this picture, I think it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So anyway, reeling it way back in, I'm like, how the heck did we get from Leia's costume to <laughs> Kanan fighting Embo's dog on a canoe? Um, uh, just another I'm one tired and this is what happens when we record at night when I've had a long week at work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've got, uh, just a couple other leaked images here. Um, there's one that's, uh, I guess a piece of promotional art from Russia of all places. Um, but it's just sort of a, a banner poster looking thing with, um, they're pretty much just all the main characters on here. I mean, you've got uh, Ray, Chewie, Finn, uh, Captain Phasma, a couple of, or I guess just one uh, flame trooper, um, Kylo Ren right in the middle, looking fantastic with that mask as always, um, and the the red lightsaber and the the artist depiction of his, uh, you know, sort of that cool crackling uh, energy blade that he's got looks really cool as well. Um, and then just sort of going off the edges of the picture, you got a couple TIE fighters and an X-Wing in the Millennium. Well, it looks like just the, the back of the Millennium Falcon. So this probably isn't the whole image of, uh, you know, where this came from, but, um, obviously, you know, nothing new here, but a pretty cool piece of artwork. I wouldn't be surprised if we end up seeing something like this on a lot of the, um, you know, the merchandising or, uh, you know, actual posters for the movie or anything like that. So. Yeah, absolutely. Love this image. I mean, when I saw it, I was just thinking, man, this is almost like a normal Star Wars poster by Drew Struzan. It has that kind of same feel to it. So it made me think if the promotional stuff's going to look this good, I can't wait till we see the actual real poster for the movie. Because uh, if it's anything like this, it's, and I'm assuming it's going to be even better than this. I think it's going to be something special. So I can't wait to get that poster. Because, yeah, Kylo Ren, the front and center in there, looks amazing. And then you got Captain Phasma right beside him looking cool, too. So... <laughs> Bunch of, I just love the drawings. So you got Finn there holding a blaster. That's really cool. And Ray with her staff. And it's kind of funny to see Chewie there and not Han. But like we said, there's probably more to this picture or this drawing than what's shown in this promotional banner that's got uh, leaked out. So yeah. I don't know. Well, can't wait. I, I guess maybe the assumption is that Han is supposed to be in the Falcon. Maybe. Because um, I thought the same thing. I was like, I, I thought it was weird that they had Chewie in there instead of Poe Dameron because we yeah. know, you know Ray and Finn and Poe were kind of supposed to be like the new big three. But then I was like, oh, well, maybe you're supposed to assume that that's Poe Dameron's X-Wing flying up there in the corner. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, I once I saw this, I, like you said, kind of wished, or we know there's more to this image than what's being shown here. And I kind of want to see it all now. So Yeah. Or maybe Russians just love Wookiees. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I love Wookiees. I'm not even Russian, love Wookiees. But... <laughs> God, I love Wookiees. Um, and then, uh, we also got a, a piece of concept art, I guess, from, uh, Star, or I guess Star Wars 7 News was maybe the first place to report this. Um, but, uh, I guess this is actually from, a the French edition of Vanity Fair. Um, and they posted some concept art of, uh, they sort of did this as like a mock, like fashion catwalk piece, but they posted concept art of, uh, Han Solo and Poe and Finn, um, all in their costumes. Now, Finn, obviously, or uh, Poe, obviously, we've seen in the X-Wing gear before, and so that's sort of his standard costume. Um, 
Finn, we haven't really seen his full costume before, except this piece of concept art, I think, was the same art that was on display at uh, Celebration, where they had, yeah. like, the little museum area where you could see some of the costumes and stuff. Um, they had this concept art of him with Luke's lightsaber sticking out of his pocket or just attached to the front of his jacket or something. Um and that was there with his costume. Um, Han is kind of the most interesting one here because I don't think we've seen this concept art of his uh, costume before. Um, I know we've seen concept art of his character before, but it was like with that sort of long duster coat. Mm. Um, and this looks like, uh, you know, it's probably the the finished concept art of how he actually looks in the movie because from everything we've seen so far, um, I think that's pretty much what his his jacket and everything looks like here. So, yeah, it was pretty cool to see. I mean, if anything, with Han Solo, his jacket maybe was a little. The tone of the color is a little different than the concept art, but for the most part, it's pretty much exactly the same. And yeah, Poe Dameron's X-wing suit looks the same as we see it in the trailer and the different images. And same thing with Finn, as we saw this image in the Force Awakens exhibit at Celebration. But oh, I just see. Finn has a cool outfit, and it's cool to see his lightsaber on there. I just think it's funny, though, how we're all used to seeing uh, Jedis and even Luke having their lightsabers, like, attached to the belt, where it's, like, be, being hidden behind their robe, but Finn just has it hanging out there for everyone to see. He's not hiding it at all, so it's kind of a different take as far as where we're seeing the lightsaber being placed on a character. Yeah, and again, I don't know if it's going to be the case where he becomes like the new Jedi character in these movies and he actually ends up using that lightsaber or if it's just like, you know, we're supposed to return this to Luke and nobody knows what to do with it. So here, give it to me and I'll just stick it in my pocket. Like, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, which makes sense. And I think they could, you know, probably play that for a, a clever little comedy angle in the movie where, um, like you said, we're so used to seeing Jedi walking around with lightsabers hanging off their belts and everything. But uh, in an era where, um, I mean, I guess we don't really know what's happened since Return of the Jedi and if there have been more Jedi around since then. And, uh, you know, if people in the galaxy at large are sort of aware of the Jedi or whatever. But, um, you know, for someone who's not a Jedi to come across, a, you know, a lightsaber and just be like, what do I do with this thing? Like, it's got this clippy thing on the bottom, but I don't have anywhere to <laughs> hang it. So uh, I don't know. I'll just stick it in my pocket, I guess. I got plenty of spots on my jacket. I'll just clip it on right there. Yeah. <laughs> and then Han like gives him like a weird look and just shakes his head like oh, you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. No, Han would probably laugh and be like, "See, I told Luke these ancient weapons and hokey religions were no good." <laughs> yeah. Don't think he gets the blaster by your side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because um, yeah, I mean, going back to that uh, that Russian picture, like we do see Finn using a blaster in that, and Ray's got her staff, um, you know, held in kind of a, a weapon stance, I guess. Um, so you know, that doesn't uh, tell us anything about which one of those two might be using a lightsaber, except that obviously you could kind of assume maybe it's the character using the melee weapon. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean. Luke in the original trilogy seemed to be pretty proficient with a blaster and his lightsaber. So could be Finn, could be Ray, could be both. Maybe BB-8 will use it too. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Um, although, I don't know. He seems maybe even like a little small for that. <laughs> That's, 
we're talking about the dog with the lightsaber. It'd be a pretty funny image to see BB-8 to somehow holding it. We, we don't doesn't look like it'd be possible for BB-8 to hold a lightsaber, but it might be a pretty funny image. Well, I mean, I was thinking like in uh, Return of the Jedi, obviously when when Luke's got his lightsaber stored inside R2 yeah. and then it pops out. But then I just had a funny picture of BB-8 rolling along in the sand with a lightsaber, you know, stored inside of him. Um, which, you know, would like take up most of his body cause he's smaller than R2. I mean, he's not more than like two feet high maybe. Um, but you know, you're rolling along with a lightsaber stashed inside him somewhere. And then maybe, I don't know, he rolls over a bump or something. The lightsaber shakes inside and the blade like sticks straight up through him, but he's still <laughs> rolling along. And so it's like a saw blade of death, you know, this, this spinning lightsaber comes rolling towards you. Oh man! Oh man! Poor BB-8, though. If that got him hurt, it'd be so painful for him to be rolling with that lightsaber sticking out that way. Oh please! If they can fix R2 from being blown to bits by Darth Vader's Tie Fighter, they can fix uh, BB-8 from having a lightsaber malfunction. Yeah, it'd still be painful in that moment, though. Well, <laughs> See, there's another scene added to our Robot Chicken Force Awakens episode. Special. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um. All right, well, last bit of movie rumor slash news we have to talk about here. Um, this is actually uh, talking about Rogue One and not Episode 7, but um, it's being reported and rumored from a lot of different sources that uh, Forrest Whitaker um, is actually in uh, talks to join the cast of Rogue One, which I think would be really cool because it's, uh, you know, anytime you hear about any sort of like big name actors with, uh, you know, Academy Award nominations and that kind of stuff under their belt, uh, joining Star Wars, it's like, oh, that would be cool to have him on board. Um, in fact, it's funny because, you know, back in 1999 when The Phantom Menace came out and I was like eight years old, I didn't know who any of those actors were. Like, that was pretty much my first exposure to all of them. But, I, like, if I were the age I am now when the, you know, Phantom Menace was coming out, I'd be like, holy crap, Liam Neeson and Morgan, or not Morgan Freeman. I'm thinking <laughs> of Morgan Freeman for some reason, because I think he was the other actor that George Lucas wanted to to play Qui-Gon Jinn. It was going to be one of those two. But, um, you know, Liam Neeson and Samuel L. Jackson and, uh, you know, all these people being in Star Wars, like, that's going to be so cool. Yeah, I mean, um, even for someone who was older, I thought it was cool. Oh, that's awesome. Liam Neeson is going to be in the movie. So and Samuel L. Jackson, I mean, from that time, I think I mainly just remembered him from Jurassic Park and a few other movies. So <laughs> he wasn't on like the full bunch of movies that he's had on his resume now as he did back then, at least for the movies that I saw of him in. But yeah, it's kind of cool if it would be Forrest Whitaker is part of Rogue One. I mean, more than likely it is it's being reported from variety and like those media outlets stuff that are usually right even though it's not officially announced on starwars.com or by lucasfilm or disney or anything so more than likely this is another casting report that will end up being true i think it said he's supposed to start like the crow remake and then go into production on rogue one but i think the crow remake has been put on hold or some snag happened to that where maybe it's going to be delayed a little bit so maybe his next project will be rogue one and it'll be interesting to see who he plays if it'll be like a, a rebel general or something, the leader of the rebel soldiers trying to steal the Death Star plan to something. I don't know. Or maybe you'll be on the Imperial side. We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, it's a definitely a good casting choice if it does end up being true, just to have someone on his caliber be a part of the Star Wars universe. Yeah, and I think he could be a really cool rebel general. Yeah, I was thinking more of that. but then It's possible for Imperial, but I think it'd probably be better if he was a rebel general. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that happening. That would be pretty sweet. 
Um, but you know, again, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm just like, man, I want the mission impossible movie to come out already just so we can start hearing more yeah. official <laughs> rogue one announcements. Cause I've even, you know, seen a, a couple other things online recently where they were talking about this again, just kind of, you know, casually mentioning it as if it was just sort of assumed that this is true already. Um, and I'm like, well, we haven't gotten official confirmation on it and I don't know how much they can officially confirm at this point. I know they really can. So like you said, Mission Impossible needs to hurry up and come out. We can get some announcements and get that teaser that was shown at Celebration online so everyone can see it in the good quality that it's meant to be seen as. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because they, I mean, they can't say, um, or, you know, they're, they're not allowed to like advertise it or whatever, but they did already announce uh, that if, that Felicity Jones was going to be part of it. So um I'm like, I don't know where you sort of toe the line between like advertising and just announcing who's going to be in the cast, but that's true. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure they're just know. figuring we got the force awakens coming up. There's no rush to announce anything. Well, yeah. So we'll wait for this embargo to end with mission impossible. Then we'll roll out the rogue one stuff. Yeah, definitely. Or maybe they still have more roles to cast and, uh, then they're going to you know release another cool photo of everybody doing the table read. That'd be cool, yeah, but you think they should be starting production on it either really soon or now even. I mean, we haven't really heard that production has or shooting has officially begun on the movie, but it has to start really, really soon, I would think. Yeah, pretty soon, I guess. Because um, we kept hearing it was the summer, and we're almost into July now, so you'd think they'd be starting it pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, August is still technically so Well, technically, technically, like the first two weeks of September is still summer. Yeah. <laughs> September is fall as far as I'm concerned. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, again, I'm sure that's going to be happening sooner than later. But um, yeah, it's like, okay, that's nice. We'll get to that when we get to it because Force Awakens. I know. And yeah, before that, Battlefront, you know, just another little that thing to look forward too. to. <laughs> Um, in case we didn't give off that impression earlier in the episode, that's just another little thing to look forward to this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we might be a little excited for that game. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm thinking I might pick it up at some point. <laughs> when it goes on sale. <laughs> like launch day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um, we'll get on to uh, talking about Star Wars Rebels here before we go back into Battlefront land and just uh, geek out about that all night. Um, but man, I mean, we, I, I don't, I feel like we might not need to talk too much about the Star Wars Rebels premiere because we did a big long episode on it after celebration, even though we didn't talk about spoilers. So we'll talk a little bit more about this here, but, um, as I'm sure most of you know, by now, the, uh, season two premiere, the siege of Lothal aired, uh, just this past Saturday. Um, and we got to see this on the big screen at celebration with a bunch of other, you know, diehard Star Wars fans. And it was just unbelievable um you know watching it at home for the the when it aired on tv it wasn't quite that same experience because obviously you know the the huge screen and the packed room and the bonding with other fans as we waited in line for four hours ahead of time uh you know all of that just like added so much to the experience um but then also of course the fact that we knew what happened this time around and weren't as shocked by some of the big moments and stuff but it was just still so cool seeing Darth Vader do his thing. And, um, I mean, you know, now that we can get into talking about some of the spoilers and stuff, um, well, what the heck, let's just jump right to the end. And that moment in the, I mean, that whole space battle was just 
phenomenal where you see, you know, awesome. Darth Vader as just a one man wrecking ball taking out this rebel fleet and, you know, blowing apart a whole squadron of A-wings. And, um, you know, I, I think I, I mentioned this when we talked about it after Celebration that Obi-Wan has that line in A New Hope where he says Anakin was the best star pilot in the galaxy. And I feel like we didn't really get to see enough of that on Clone Wars. You know, we see him pilot some ships. We see him pull a couple cool maneuvers in a starfighter every once in a while, but we never really had like his, his, his shining moment as a pilot. It was always like the ship is crashing and Anakin's the only one who can land the ship safely. Otherwise everybody would have died. Or, you know, he, he has that one episode where he jumps in the middle of a space battle from hyperspace um, and lands on the bottom of Grievous's ship, and that was pretty cool. But I just wanted to see him, like, in a starfighter, flying around, blowing up Separatists, and, you know, flying his uh, his starfighter into the middle of, like, a dreadnought and blowing it up from the inside or something like that. Um, and we never really got to see that on Clone Wars, but we get to see it here as Vader, which I, like, <laughs> never really expected. I mean, you only see Vader's TIE fighter in A New Hope, um, and of course he's, he's flying down the Death Star trench, you know, picking off rebels, but it's less of a skilled piloting thing and more of just an intimidating thing where they're trapped in this tight little trench and they're trying to shoot the torpedo down the exhaust port before he just flies right up behind him and shoots him. Um, but in this, I mean, he's pulling all kinds of crazy maneuvers. There's one where, uh, there's like a couple A-wings that are on his tail and he just kind of does this like reverse lit booster kind of thing (laughs) where he's like spinning and flying backwards and shooting at the ships that are chasing him and blows them both up. And I was just like, Holy crap. That was awesome. Man. Yeah. I mean, we're all, I think for me anyway, I was all caught up with, uh, seeing him in action with a lightsaber against Kanan and Ezra. Cause we thought a big chunk of that was shown in the trailer earlier that day. But when we got the soul end sequence with him with the tie fighter, I mean, I think that actually outdid the lightsaber battle we got in the middle of it because it yeah. was just so awesome seeing, like you described, Vader really show off his awesome piloting skills and what he did, taking down the whole, pretty much all of Phoenix Squadron that got sent out to take him down, and then uh, taking out the whole blockade runner too. Everyone that got had to evacuate, and the whole ship blew up by the time it was done. So it was awesome to see Vader being the Vader we've all wanted to see. So that was great, but. Uh, now we can finally talk about it, the iconic moment of this episode. And I think one of the that iconic moments moment of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and, of course, we're, we're. I'm trying to come up with, like, some joke or something I could put in here. But I'm like, <laughs> I can't even think of anything. Because it just, of course, we're talking about that Vader and Ahsoka moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, you know, she goes on the ghost to, uh, to help the ghost crew in the space battle. And... Um, then, you know, she and Kanan both realize, like, dang, this guy's pulling some crazy maneuvers out here. He must be pretty strong with the Force. So, and at that point, I mean, they don't know that this is the the same Sith Lord that they fought earlier, which is something that kind of uh, slips my mind, I guess, when I watch this. Because obviously for us, like, even though Vader's TIE Fighter is only in A New Hope, it's still pretty iconic. And you know immediately, like, we as the audience know that that's Darth Vader flying into that battle. Mm. I mean, so it's kind of easy to forget at first, like, they don't even know who's who's kicking their butt at the beginning of this battle. Um, but then, uh, you know, so like I said, she and Kanan are both like, this guy's pretty strong with the Force, so let's, let's find out how strong. And um, together they kind of 
you know, combine their, their force energy, I guess, and they're reaching out with the force to try to sense and, and determine who this guy is. I just love, too, the look Darth Vader has is he senses them trying to sense him and he's sensing them too and he's like turning yeah. his head a little bit it just looks so awesome man. yeah and and at the at the same time i mean ezra is not really trying to reach out with them but then he kind of just senses it as they get closer to vader he's like oh wait like i feel this this cold and this darkness again like guys that's the sith lord we fought earlier <laughs> um and then you know of course you get some intense close-up shots of of ah- ahsoka's face and she just you know kind of starts looking worried like Oh wait, no! Is this what I think it is? And then Vader just looks up and goes, "The apprentice lives." And Ahsoka screams and passes oh. out. And you know, I, I still remember when we saw that in the theater. Yeah. Everybody was just like, "Oh my gosh, yeah. that just happened!" <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah, being seeing that with a room full of fans was just awesome. But I was looking forward to seeing it again, so now I could probably hear a little better <laughs> what's going on, even though I heard it there yeah. just to get the full experience and. That sequence is perfect. I'm just going to say it as it is. I mean, ever since Ahsoka was introduced and we found out she's Anakin's apprentice, I mean, we were, of course, wondering, like, if she's going to survive the Clone Wars, if she's going to make it out of Episode 3 and all that stuff. So once we finally knew the answer to that, that was yes. The next question was, okay, how does she find out that Anakin is Darth Vader? And I kept thinking of that in my head. Is it going to be somewhere they have a face-to-face confrontation and that's where she finds out? Or did she hear it through, like, the through the grapevine somewhere in the galaxy, through different reports and people that Anakin is Darth Vader. Maybe she didn't believe it just yet, but the way it happened here, I thought was just so good. Using the force to be what reveals it to her. And then, like I said, the look Darth Vader was giving as he sensed it. And then that line, I mean, I think that's becoming, that's already a classic line now for Vader, just from rebels and just all the movies he was into that line where he says, the apprentice lives. I mean, Oh, it was just so cool. I got chills when I heard that the first time. And I was always thinking, too, what would Darth Vader's reaction going to be when he finds out Ahsoka's still out there? I always used to think that he's gonna still going to have a little soft spot for her where he's maybe he's not going to want to show it, but it's, there's still some, the little good of Anakin still has some compassion for Ahsoka, but nobody delivered that line that's cold as you can be, like, in an arrogance type way. Oh, so you're still alive. Well, I'm going to have to change something about that. But yeah, I also like yeah. too where once you find out that she's on there, because at first he would just wanted to take the ghost out, but now he's all, no, I want them alive. So, and mm-hmm. then of course we get the great sequence at the end, him talking to Palpatine, how Selkas could lead him to other Jedi. And he specifically says Kenobi like, mm-hmm. Oh man, <laughs> so much awesome geek out moments in this episode with Darth Vader. Uh, they just did a phenomenal perfect job with uh, having Vader or portraying Vader in this series. And like we said on our other episode, when we're recapping Celebration, having James Earl Jones as the voice of it, so amazing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you kind well, of think, think like they couldn't do it any other way now because we've heard other people do Vader's voice in video games, but the fact that they got James Earl Jones, it's like, yeah, it has to be him doing this. It just sold it completely, man. Yeah, and I think that's part of what makes that line. I think that's part of what makes that line so great when he says, "You know, the apprentice lives." It's like because it's it's Vader's voice, and obviously, I mean, James Earl Jones is older than he was when he did the original movies, and they might have, you know, they've got like a different team of sound people working on it, probably. So his voice doesn't sound exactly the same as it does in the movies, but it still is, you know, close enough that you can tell like that's Darth Vader and. But, you know, there there are some lines where he sounds a little bit different. And then but this is one of those lines where it's just like 
that could have been straight out of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. It was, it was just oh, so good. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because when you were talking about, you know, just the way that he delivers that line. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, almost just kind of unsurprised in a way. You know, Ahsoka like screams and passes out and he, she's like, no, oh, my gosh, like. Anakin, how did you become this monster? And meanwhile, he's just kind of like, huh, you're still alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was handled so perfectly. And that was the reaction I was always hoping Ahsoka would have to not just like immediate shock and like how and then it's so powerful that she faints and she, it takes a while for her to come to. And that was the reaction you know she would have with the strong bond she had with Anakin and to find out that he went to the dark side and became a Sith Lord. That's that's what has to happen to her when she finds out, especially being in connection with the Force too. This everything involved with that scenario just was way too much for her to take. And the way it was pulled off, the way actually Sign delivered her scream and her no, it's so perfect. Yeah, and I think, I mean, again, the the way that they staged this whole thing was just perfect too, because. Um, I mean, I was kind of expecting, going into this episode when we saw it for the first time, I thought that Ahsoka and Vader were actually going to fight, uh, like, briefly. Like, it was going to be kind of um, like the, the first Tatooine duel between Darth Maul and Qui-Gon on, uh, or in Phantom Menace, where, you know, it's it's not like a big epic confrontation, nothing gets resolved, but it's just sort of those two characters coming into contact for the first time. And it wasn't really that I wanted to see a lightsaber duel, but I just wanted to see... Ahsoka and Vader come face to face for the first time and sort of set that that slow burning fuse for the rest of the yeah. season of when are they going to to fight each other again. But I think having Ahsoka and Vader come face to face, I think her reaction would have been more like um, almost just sort of like a repeat of Padme in Episode Three, where she's like, "No, what have you done? Like, you know, yeah, it's true. I, you, I, you know, I, you were my master. I looked up to you, but you've gone down this dark path, and and blah blah blah." Um, and we probably still will get that later on. Right, right, yeah. But I think th- this was better because, um, I mean, A, they get to still save the lightsaber fight for later. Um, and, I mean, on the one hand, it's like, oh, it's, you know, we, we got to wait longer to see that. And they're kind of keeping us in suspense. But at the same time, I do kind of, you know, I don't want everything all at once. Um, but then also it allowed them to sort of, I mean, through the force, obviously, be sort of separate but in the same space so that you get you get that reveal where they both find out about each other but they don't come face to face yet they don't have to fight um and so um yeah i mean it it was just so great but then you know obviously if they were face to face and she just passes out vader's just gonna kill her or something whereas um yeah i think from a story standpoint this just worked so well where you know they're they're separate. They still haven't met up yet, but you've got that first spark of, um, yep. you know, they, they now know that each other are out there. He knows that she's still alive and she knows that he's her former master. Um, and then adding to the intrigue even more, um, is that she doesn't say anything about it to the rest of the rebels. You know, at the end, I think Kanan or Ezra asks her like, do you know who that was? And she says, no. Um, but then you, you, see she kind of turns away from the group and it just ends with a, a shot of her face that clearly says that she does know who that is or at least has a strong suspicion um and you know she could have different motives for that like 
uh, you know, maybe it's just a, a deeply personal thing for her and she doesn't want to share it with the rest of the group yet. Maybe she's like, oh, well, I felt this thing through the force, but I still want to get like some firm confirmation on this before I go and act on it. Like, um, you know, I don't want to go confront this guy thinking that he's my former master if I don't know for absolute certain, which now is making me think maybe she's going to go seek out Obi-Wan on Tatooine and be like, hey, how did things end between you guys? Like, yeah. did Anakin turn into a big, scary black cyborg that I didn't know about? Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's him, but I really hope it's not. Yeah, man, that would be awesome if we got that. I mean, it's it's a logical thing that you would expect her to do. I mean, if she maybe she doesn't know Obi-Wan's still alive and thinks he died too in Order 66, but if she somehow knows to the Force and they've communicated somehow that... Uh, they know that each other's still alive. You would think automatically she would go seek him out about what happened to Anakin when she realizes this. So if that's the case, yeah, that's something I definitely want to see. That <laughs> that'd be another goosebump inducing moment if we got that. Yeah, and <laughs> you know the Obi more I... tell Ahsoka the events of Revenge of the Sith and what happened on Mustafar. Jeez. Yeah, the, and the more I think about it, the more I think that probably is going to happen um, because I think. Back at the beginning, um, you know, obviously we see Obi-Wan in, in hologram form in Spark of Rebellion. Um, and I think just reading some interviews and stuff with either Dave Filoni or James Arnold Taylor, they kind of hinted that that might not be the last time we see Obi-Wan in this series. Yeah. And at the time, I was kind of hoping that that would be the only time we see him in the series because I don't necessarily want to see the ghost crew interfering too much with, you know, things on, on Tatooine and leading up to a new hope and all that. Um, and have, you know, or have Obi-Wan leave and, uh, you know, go on some adventures on Lothal or something like that. Um, but I think rather than just like randomly have them stumble upon Tatooine and, and meet up with Obi-Wan, I think now that Ahsoka's in the picture, um, even if she doesn't know Obi-Wan's still alive, if Kanan shows her his holocron and, and you know, she sees that message, she's going to yeah. be like, oh, well, he's probably alive. He's still out there. He was one of the greatest Jedi I ever knew. Like, if anyone could survive Order 66, he could. And then maybe just thinking about, like, well, where would he go? Let's see. I knew Anakin and Obi-Wan really well. So if I kind of put myself in their shoes, like, what's the one place Obi-Wan would go where he thinks Anakin would never come after him? Tatooine, Anakin's homeworld where his mom died and he's got all kinds of complex emotions and bad memories and stuff of that place. I bet Obi-Wan's there. Um, and, you know, they, they go look for him and, and meet up and he sort of tells her about the, the you know, the story of uh, Anakin turning to the dark side and all that. That could make for a really cool episode. And another um, thing, too, that I really want to see happen now that I'm thinking about it, because the outcome, I mean, we don't know how... Ahsoka is going to come out of Rebels and if she survives into the original trilogy, but a likely scenario is that Darth Vader might end up killing her before yeah. we get to the original trilogy. But instead of it being like this misery where she finds out her master turns to the dark side and he ends up killing her, I think it would be great where she sees the new hope, she knows about Luke, and she knows that it's Anakin's son, and while Anakin might have turned evil and he probably will end up killing her if that's the case she knows maybe as maybe she'll sacrifice herself knowing that the good of anakin is still alive in luke and that kind of as padme said before she dies there's still good in him and that it's going to be up to luke to bring it out and she could kind of die in a 
peaceful way or in a way where it's not just all doom and gloom, she'll know that there is hope for the galaxy and even for Anakin knowing that he has an offspring who can eventually be good and maybe eventually bring him back to the good side. So now I really want to see that. <laughs> Go to her going to Tatooine and finding out about Luke and just having that bit of hope. I mean, that's what Luke is, a new hope. I mean, having that with her too would be so amazing to see and just on a story level, just tie everything together so nicely and fit in that Star Wars theme of what we've gone before. Yeah, I mean I, I do kind of hope that pans out that way as well. At least, like, if they do kill off Ahsoka, that, you know, they put some kind of positive spin on it. Because, I mean, I, I guess it's getting harder and harder for me to see that as, uh, you know, as not an inevitable fate. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I know when Clone Wars first started, a lot of people thought, oh, well, she's not in episode three, so she has to die before the end of this series. Um, but, you know, there there were a lot of other possible avenues there um you know she could have just been alive during episode three but not around during the events of the movie and obviously that's what happened with her leaving the jedi order and all that but now that they've brought her back and sort of put her on this collision course with vader um i mean she's she's definitely too big of a character and too much of an important character in his life to have it be plausible that they could fight sometime before a new hope and both survive and just go their separate ways. And that she could be around during the original trilogy without Vader or Obi-Wan or anybody saying anything about it. Yeah. Um, you know, when, uh, when Obi-Wan says to Yoda, like that boy is our last hope and Obi-Wan says, or and Yoda says, no, there is another Obi-Wan would be like, you mean young Padawan Tano, who is now <laughs> full grown into a Jedi Knight who could defeat Darth Vader and live like, no so um <laughs> yeah so you know, i mean maybe they can find a way out of it that i haven't thought of yet but it's it's just seeming more and more like that's going to be an inevitable outcome and yet it kind of uh, it like that would suck so much and i'm trying to think of like you know I, I hope dave filoni can find a way to do this without you know just breaking the hearts of of so many fans out there who've grown to, to love Ahsoka now, because I mean, at the beginning, a lot of people didn't like the character anyway, and like wanted to see her die before the end of the series. And then it's like, you get to the end of the clone wars, you find a way to sort of end her storyline without killing her off. And by that point, she's become a fan favorite and a lot of people love her. And then you would, you know, go and kill her off. And it's like, well, you know, that doesn't seem like something you would normally do do because you know once you've got a character that, that that's that popular you want to keep them around for a while but at the same time like i said you put her on this collision course with sort of an immovable object in darth vader so um i don't know i mean i i definitely can't wait to see how it pans out i can't wait to see those two characters come back into contact and uh you know see that clash of the titans there so um Man, just but so much good stuff from this episode. I mean, we didn't even talk about the the first lightsaber duel with Vader and Kanan and Ezra and stuff either. But um, yeah, I mean, we, I think we already summed it up pretty well in saying that throughout this entire episode, Vader was just on point the whole time. I mean, with the the look and the presence and the voice and the, of course, the Imperial March cues all throughout. Um, it was just so good and then just the icing on the cake was hearing sam witwer as palpatine at the end yeah. <laughs> and, you know that conversation about uh 
you know, Vader says, like, I believe the son of, or the, uh, the apprentice of Anakin Skywalker still lives. Um, and of course, you know, it's very similar to, um, their conversation in Empire Strikes Back where, uh, you know, Palpatine's like, are you sure? Um, actually, no, it's in Empire Strikes Back, it's Palpatine who says, this boy is the, the, the offspring of Anakin Skywalker and Vader's the one who's like, how can you be sure of this? And so this is kind of like the, the reverse where, uh, Vader's the one who's like, uh, you know, the apprentice of Anakin Skywalker still lives and Palpatine's like, are you sure of this? Um, and Vader's like, yep. Yep. It was definitely her. (laughs) Okay. Send two more inquisitors. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think he just says one more. Um, he just says dispatch another inquisitor to deal with them. But, Obviously, we know from the trailer that there are going to yeah. be two eventually at some point, which makes me think maybe they well, did. We see any shots in the trailer of the two of the like the two Inquisitors together? I believe there was a shot with both of them together. Okay, yeah. Um, now that I think about it, I think there was two. Yeah, something in like maybe the first ones in the first half of the season, and then they kill that one off, and then they send another one. But uh, yeah. no, they, they obviously know one Inquisitor isn't good enough <laughs> now. Yeah, well, and especially with uh, you know with Ahsoka in the picture. Yeah, that's a good point too. But man, yeah, so much good stuff. And one thing's for sure, we we got some great Star Wars moments here. But I think we're gonna—they're setting up for an eventual another great Star Wars moment to come with him and Ahsoka facing off eventually, whether it's in the season finale or the series finale. I don't know, but we're gonna get something amazing with the confrontation from them too. And I just can't wait. But real quick, or maybe not real quick, but I just want to say something about Darth Vader real quick. Well, <laughs> I just said real quick. Or maybe is it not, real quick or is it real slow? Quick. I don't know. But anyway, I just really love what they're doing with Darth Vader right now, just in all of Star Wars with Rebels. And then we got the stuff going on in the Darth Vader comic series. And just the character in general. Luke, Lucas always said that he was the main focus point, the main character of all six Star Wars movies. But now we know we're getting more. But that's still continuing. I mean, I just love the evolution of this character as the years go by from just what we got from in the original trilogy, from just being uh, somewhat of a, a lackey in A New Hope for Grandma talking, Tarkin, and then finding out he plays a much bigger role as Luke's father. And then we get uh, his story in the prequels with Anakin and how he turned to the dark side. And then we thought, okay, we got his backstory, but no, we get more in the Clone Wars. And that just establishes more of Anakin's character and just adds so much more depth to Darth Vader. And once the Clone Wars is done, it leads in very nicely to Revenge of the Sith. And it just adds to more uh, to the reasons why he would go to the dark side and makes you believe it more for all the stuff we see in the Clone Wars. But we think that's going to be the end of Vader. We're going on to this new era. We got the sequel trilogy now, but then we find out, oh wait, Darth Vader's helmet is in there. It's all burned up and destroyed, but it's still a presence there. And then we're just getting more stuff that adds to the depth of the character in the Darth Vader comic series. And I mentioned a little bit on the previous episode, a really great moment that happened in Darth Vader number number six that was an iconic moment in itself. And then now we're getting the stuff in Rebels with him and Ahsoka. So the character of Darth Vader just continues to grow and grow as this just such a, an amazing character to see unfold and just the history we're getting with him and then eventually what we're going to see, I don't know in what capacity and how much, but in The Force Awakens, I mean, he is going to have a presence. It's obvious there because his helmet is in that trailer. And we know in some leaked concept art images, it looks like it's Kylo Ren or Lord Snoke who's holding it. I don't know. Someone's going to be 
holding hot Darth Vader in high regard in that movie. So I just love that the character is sticking around, even though his main story is done, but we're just getting so much good stuff with him. And it's just really, really cool to see. And just, this adds more to the character than I think we thought we'd ever get. And maybe some people I know that are out there who don't like to know as much information as we're getting, as they felt like it would have been better if we just knew Darth Vader and, that he was good and turned bad and not know the specifics, but I'm loving every minute we're getting of it. The more we get, the more I love it and that I just think it adds to him as a greater character. So keep it coming and they're just doing a great job with it on all fronts. So I'm just really, really happy with the way Darth Vader is being treated now when we kind of thought his story was done, but nope, we're just getting more of it. And I just, I'm just loving it all. Well, yeah, man. I mean, we've pretty much already got, all the the backstory and information and stuff that we're going to get on him anyways from the you know the six movies seeing his his rise as a jedi and then his fall as a sith lord and everything so now with like the the comics and rebels and everything i mean i have no problem with having more of these uh you know vader stories and stuff because this is just showing more of him in his prime and just showing more cool stuff about the character it's like you're not gonna you know ruin him by showing anything about his backstory like we've seen him as a nine-year-old kid going joyriding for goodness sakes so uh you know it's like we we pretty much know everything there is to know but there's still just more cool stories that you can tell and man this rebels episode uh is is some of the best vader stuff we've gotten in a long time um I mean, prob- maybe you could even say, like, the best Darth Vader since Return of the Jedi. Um, and, you know, I, I'm super excited to see him again in Rebels whenever that premieres this fall. Um, we still don't know an exact date yet, but we do know that the first, uh, I guess, sort of the official first episode, because this is, um, you know, sort of more of a TV movie special, I guess, and not really the, the first um episode in sequence of season two so the the but the next episode of season two that's going to air is going to be called uh, the lost commanders and it's going to be the episode with all the clones oh, um man, you know, so cool rex <laughs> and gregor and uh commander wolf out in the desert so i'm definitely... so glad that's the next episode because we got darth vader in this one and then we automatically turn to the clones <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's gonna be awesome of course it's gonna be definitely a, a big change in tone yeah um, <laughs> Yeah, this is not going to be the Umbara arc 2.0, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, just in the clip um, you showed on the Rebels Recon, I mean, Gregor looks like he's not all there anymore. Like, yeah, which was almost a little sad to me. Yeah. I was like, man, Gregor's like gone all, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Senile. Um but then I was like, well, he did survive a massive explosion yep. <laughs> and then age at twice the rate of a normal person. And now he's out in the middle of the desert on a rickety old 20-year-old, uh, you know, at walker from an old war. Um, so I guess I could see how that could maybe drive a person a little crazy. Um, I don't know. Maybe you know, there, there's something weird about, uh, overexposure to Rhydonium. Um, you know, all those, all those funky colors going on in those explosions and stuff. I don't know, man. I know, but either way, it's going to be so great to see those clones again, especially particularly those three. And I just can't wait to not even see them. And actually just hearing some of the stories they're probably going to tell, like the clone wars and maybe even what happened, uh, why they took out their inhibitor chips, which made them not go through with Order 66. So all that stuff, and the more we're going to learn about 
what happened to them during the episode three time period. I just can't wait to find out. Maybe we won't get it all on episode, but I like to think eventually we will. And this episode will definitely be the first step towards that. So Star Wars Rebels season two is starting off with a bang with this movie and then with the Lost Commanders with the clones coming back. And it's going to be great. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, before we wrap up here, uh, did you have some uh, some responses or comments or anything from our listeners on uh, some of this Rebel stuff? Um, yeah, well, after it aired, I kind of put the tweet out, like, what do you guys think of Darth Vader? And I've got a couple of responses. The first one from Aaron Ortega, who says, one man wrecking crew, still the best star pilot and a total boss. And yeah, I think that's perfectly said right there. <laughs> Darth Vader was all of that. And then uh, loyal listener Brian Bailey says that Kanan and Hera are totally space married from what I hear. <laughs> and Ahsoka adopted the Obi-Wan from a certain point of view way of lying. And that Ahsoka not trusting the crew of the ghosts will drive a wedge of doubt in their relationships, which will be costly down the road. That's something I actually didn't think about. I mean, how would the ghosts react to that or the crew of the ghosts react to Ahsoka keeping a secret? Think it'd be a big deal to them or they maybe Kanan would be a little understanding or go like, how could you keep this a secret? That's Anakin Skywalker. Do you like, you know how he was the chosen one and all that. How could you keep that for me? So it should be interesting to see not necessarily the crew of the gross, but I think Kanan, cause he obviously has to know about Anakin. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's going to kind of depend on the situation and like whether, whether it affects the rest of the team, I guess. Um, like, cause I, I think for the most part, they could probably be pretty understanding of that. You know, and especially I'm sure Kanan could probably relate, like if his master turned to the dark side and killed a bunch of people and he still wanted to think of her as a, a good person and that mentor figure that he once had, he probably wouldn't want to tell anybody about it either. But if there's something where, you know, they end up fighting Vader again or they, they go into some situation where, um, you know, they, they like barely escape with their lives. And then afterwards, maybe Ahsoka decides to tell them that she knows who Vader is. And it's like, well, why didn't you tell uh, tell us that in the first place? Like that could have helped us in there or that, you know, that we, we almost got killed and you didn't tell us we were going to fight like the chosen one, Anakin Skywalker or something like that. So, yeah. um, you know, I think it could kind of depend on uh, on the situation and whether it puts the rest of the, the crew's lives at stake. Yeah, or it could be something where she has an opportunity to kill him, but she doesn't take it because she knows it's Anakin in there. She maybe still thinks mm. deep down there's good in him and she doesn't take the killing blow. And Kane is all like, what are you doing? You had him and now you left him alive or something to that effect. Possibly, except, oh, and this would be even more tragic. I'm like, if Ahsoka had a chance to deliver the killing blow against Vader, but didn't take it, he would probably turn right around and kill her. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, Dave Filoni has talked about it in, in some of these interviews and like in the Rebels Recon and stuff saying that even though we know that there's still good in Anakin and that he's eventually going to turn back to the light side and redeem himself and save Luke and all that. Um, he said that, you know, they don't want to bring that out yet and sort of um, sort of tamper, I guess, with that storyline of the original trilogy by having Ahsoka try to bring that out in him too early and that he's going to see her and it's going to kind of be a reminder of that good in him, maybe and sort of of his past life. But at this point he just wants to bury that. Like he yeah. doesn't want to let that come through yet. So he's going to see Ahsoka as just a reminder of everything that he lost when he turned to the dark side. And, um, you know, they even made a list of like, 
you know, Anakin's least favorite people in the galaxy, yeah, or people that. that he most <laughs> wants to destroy. And he said, Obi-Wan is still definitely top of the list. And then, you know, two and three, it's like Ahsoka and Yoda. They're pretty close. Um, it's like they flip-flops between us, yeah. <laughs> depending on his mood or something. Yeah, and you can tell. I mean, when he when he's telling Palpatine about her at the end, and he's like, this will lead us to other possible Jedi. He's like, like Obi-Wan? Like yeah. I get to go kill him? <laughs> yeah uh, that was great <laughs> um but yeah so i mean definitely is uh he's not gonna be on amicable terms with her when they come back face to face at some point but um yeah i mean man just can't wait to see uh that outcome and that confrontation and the whole rest of the season of rebels because if uh yeah the way that season one progressed if that was any indication then um, you know, just moving forward with season two, it's just going to keep getting better and better. And, uh, it's just going to be some, some great stuff ahead. Yeah. I can't wait. Just even with Clone Wars too, we know how each season that progressed too, and storytelling quality and visually too. And I like how even Simon Kinberg in some interviews saying how we're getting to more of an empire strikes back tone with season two. So yeah. yeah. Which I feel like is kind of overused as an analogy for, you know, any kind of, uh, True, you know, but move, this is Star like, Wars. Mo- movie sequel and <laughs> second season of a TV series. I mean, everybody wants to say like, oh, well, if the first one was Star Wars, then this is our Empire Strikes Back and it's going to be bigger and better and darker and blah, blah, blah. But in this case, yeah, because they're bringing Darth Vader into the mix, like I think it's a pretty safe comparison in this in this uh, situation, I guess. Yeah, and seeing how he's already portrayed in this season premiere, yeah, they can say that all they want. Yeah, <laughs> they yep, that sure. was definitely vader in empire form right there so yep good stuff uh yeah so thanks to you guys for uh chiming in on facebook and twitter and everything uh that's about gonna wrap it up for this episode for us um closing in on another long one right now and uh rest i need um master god you can't die well not forever sleep because i gotta be up for work tomorrow morning but uh (laughs) man it has been fun talking star wars and uh just venting all our excitement about Battlefront and Vader and Star Wars Rebels and all this other great stuff. Uh, So thank you guys for tuning in. As always, you can uh, get in touch with us online on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. On Twitter, you can follow us or tweet us at Star Wars TSC. And you can check out our website, StarWarsTSC.com, to find all our uh, our news posts and all that kind of stuff. And if you want to send us email um, and send us some longer thoughts and comments than will fit in 140 characters, you can email us at StarWarsTSC at gmail.com. So that is going to do it for us. We will be back with a new episode when we've got uh, some more exciting new Star Wars stuff to talk about. Probably be in a couple weeks after San Diego Comic Con because we know there's going to be a lot of Force Awakens stuff there. Hopefully, a new trailer and maybe a poster or something to talk about. So um, we will see you guys again in a couple weeks. Thanks for tuning in and may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Thank you.